coming straight from the cockpit. It's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! All right, back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void with an in-person guest this time, which is always a fucking treat, actually in the studio. Uh, in fact, cheers. Cheers, mate. Yeah, for being the first one in the studio for quite a while. So tell me, who the fuck are you and what do you do? Um, um, uh, how do we start this? Okay, no, I'm, I'm Jan, uh, Jan Kruger. Uh, for those who speak Afrikaans, welcome. Ah. Um, yeah, so uh, skydiver. Engine, uh, aircraft engineer or mechanic, whatever okay. way you want to put it. Uh, is uh, it an AMP? AMP in the States, um, in Europe, engineer, South Africa, mechanic. Um, so whatever you want to call it, man. All right, fair enough. Cause Fix airplanes. I've had, uh, quote, AMPs in the States get slightly offended when I've called them a mechanic. Same, same dude, they fix airplanes. Yeah, fair enough. I, I guess that always uh, kind of put connotations of, you know, the, the greasy guy in the nasty jumpsuit in the, you know, the fucking lube shop where you take your car and AMPs kind of are a, a different breed. Yeah, but lube's the in thing today, man. <laughs> so, all right. So we got a lot to break down here. You, uh, uh, you're you an AMP, you're a skydiver, uh, and you're a South African. Um all cool. Here, I'm going to move this microphone a little closer to you. Oh, I need to be. I'm moving away from it. There we go. Yeah, no, no, no. I practically, I'm almost deep throating this thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Size matters, though. There you go. Um, so, how did you get started? First off, like, let's talk about the mechanic stuff first. How did you decide you wanted to work on airplanes? Um, well, I'm coming from a uh, family with um, deep aviation. So, yeah, like mm. we said earlier, grandfather was in the military. He worked on planes as well. Um, Dad's the Air Force pilot. Oh, wow. So that's where it all started. Um, was in school. Didn't really know what to want to do. No, it was kind of want to be engineer or something. But I was leaning towards either being a vet mm. or um, civil engineer or something like that. Um, always been flying around with my dad because he's got a, he's got a plane. Um, so it's been a family thing, really. And so kind of towards... Getting towards the end of my school career, I was like, okay, I need to figure out what I want to do with my life. <laughs> right. Um, so, obviously, like any good family or whatever, they put some money away for you to either go to, to study or do whatever you want to do. And I was like, yeah, yeah I want to go fly. And I was like, no, I'm not going to pay for you to go fly. <laughs> He's like, you're flying already, so choose something else. I was like, okay, well, um, I'll go fix planes, I think. Because I kind of started young, because one of, one of our family friends was uh, also an AMP. Okay. Um, all right. So that's where it all started. Like school holidays, I'm working on working on planes and steering off, oh, wow. riding on my bike, so whatever. So yeah, that's that's kind of where it all started. So went to engineering school in South Africa. Okay. Um, was all good. Like kind of the stuff that they taught you. Like you kind of know already because you've been doing it for, for yeah, better part of yeah, better yeah. part of a better part of two years before actually going to school and then graduated and then that's where it all started. Packed up everything, moved to the UK. Worked about on big big airplanes. Oh wow! And then yeah, got a job with uh, the crew in Switzerland, doing oh. doing doing contract work. And the, you were what Zemex? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. So I spent ten years ten years with with Zemex. Um, 
and that's where I learned the twin otter. It's a uh, it's a hell of an operation that I've seen. I've actually been there twice. Um, in fact, uh, uh, you and I kind of had to coordinate to take one of the uh, aircraft that uh, we both work on uh, to and from there for maintenance, which mm. was really it was a super cool experience for me because I'm a fucking jump pilot. I don't actually go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's a good outfit. They um, they do everything like big overalls uh, when they when they brought out the 400. Mm. Um, so Viking had an issue with, with the autopilot and stuff like that. I don't want to go too technical on the stuff. But anyway, so that uh, that issue with, with wiring up all the stuff that I wanted to do. So they contacted the guys in, in Zimix with all the experience. That's awesome. So they were actually sending planes from Canada to, to Switzerland. That's cool. To get all wired up. Um, so, yeah, that's it was a good outfit. Yeah. And obviously it opened a lot of doors. Yeah, no. Well, and it's funny because the Twin Otter community is a pretty small community. Yeah, it's super small. Yeah. You know, I mean, you if you get a gig either flying or working on a Twin Otter, chances are you've opened up a door somewhere else unless you're a total fuckwit, in which case you've burned them all. Yeah, yeah, that's that's it. Now, yeah, I still get calls to go, go help people. There was not so long ago a plane that went to, went to Malaysia, something like that, that issue. It was, mm. in, it was in L.A. So, That's really cool, yeah. though, that uh, you have the option to, um, you know, I mean, bounce around a little bit in the industry, um, especially considering you didn't even really know <laughs> what you wanted to do to start. I had no idea. Then obviously, yeah, to to yeah, roll it back a bit. So got everything, got licensed up, got all my papers and whatever. I was like, yeah, okay, I don't want to go try this whole flying thing. Um, so yeah, head down to flying school, started flying. Um but then I was like, yeah, this is not really for me, man. You know what's funny? And maybe this is a perfect opportunity for me to ask because there's so many mechanics that I know that are amazing mechanics. And they're fucking just geniuses with airplanes. And so few of them actually have their pilot's licenses. Um, or if they do, they fly only on a very casual basis. What the fuck do you know that, that I don't know? Uh, it's, I wouldn't say it's about knowing anything. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. that For my for myself, it's... Um, like I can't really. It's like I can see doing this, right. flying, dropping skydivers. That, sure. that, absolutely, I can see that doing. That's that's completely different than flying from point A to point B. That long and haul shit. Yeah. yeah, that's that. That wasn't for me. Like you, you jump in a plane, you go fly. It was fun doing it with my dad because we we decided, okay, okay, wherever we're we gonna go. Right. It's like you pick the pick the the map and you go like, okay, yeah, okay, whatever. We'll go have steak and chips over there or whatever and we flew, <laughs> right. flew down to that or you flow you fly into or you've flown to all these um uh flyings or whatever it is right, and, right. And, and yeah we have kind of a unique plane so it's it's a warbird um so we restore it back to the old military oh, colors wow. and stuff so it, it's, it has some history about it for those for the we got a, a fair amount of pilots that i know listen in so tell us a bit more about that particular bird okay so the bird was Again, South African military. It's a South African warbird. It's based on the on the L three, the bird dog. Okay, yeah. So it's basically a blown up bird dog that's the size of a porter, um, tandem seat. Wow. It has hard points, so they can you can load whatever you want to load on it to either smoke smoke rockets or or whatever they want to put on it. Okay. So it was really used in the in the South African bush war. Mm. Um, so they, they use the plane as, as forward spotters or markers. Okay. So they will identify whatever targets they want to go into and they'll, they'll smoke market with, and then you have the jets flying in and, and bomb them basically. Sure, so sure. that was a plane. So it has a, it has a bit of a history. Um, 
There's not a lot of them in the States, though. Mm. I don't know if uh, whoever listens there. Um, this, the National Test Pilot School in, in the Mojave Desert. Yeah, I think they're in Mojave Desert. Okay, yeah. They yeah. actually have one where they, where they train test pilots on. Really? Yeah. So it's a, it's a kind of unique plane to fly. Um, and you grew up flying this thing. Yeah, it's fun. It's fucking it's, cool. It's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's growing up with this family that does it. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, oh, uh, it's a tail dragger, by the way. Oh yeah, so yeah, bird dog tail dragger, huge. Um, it's like two and a half tons, almost three tons. It's wow! Heavy. So but the uh, big, the big tail draggers make me nervous. Still. Yeah, yeah. We still need to get a ticket for that. Thing. I don't have a tail dragger ready. No, hell no, fuck no. Yeah, shit's scary because the only one that I have access to is a porter, and I know porter pilots that are scared to fly a porter. Nah, they just bullshit. <laughs> once you get once you get going, it's yeah, it's. Oh no, I'm not worried about yeah. when it's in the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's a difficult part. Yeah. It's that important shit that happens between the fucking uh, ground and the air, right around that area. Mm. Uh, like, what was the somebody was telling me something in regard to a porter is you're not a porter pilot until you've a, a ground looped it at least once. No, really? This is what Who I've said been told. That? Really? Yeah. No, oh, I've definitely been told that. Yeah, it's yeah. You can do it very easily. That's what I've been told. Mm. I, well, from what I've been told, and again, I'm talking out my ass because I don't, I have no experience with it. But I'm told that everything that a normal tail dragger pilot normally uses is kind of backwards on a porter. That being said, it's such an impressive aircraft. I remember getting a semi watching the movie uh, Air America, and everybody's going to reference that fucking movie when they're talking about a porter when he lands the thing on the side of a mountain. Yeah, but you know that it was actually the porter was designed as a, a replacement for. Not really a replacement as to an add-on for the um, search and rescue in, in the Alps. Oh, I can believe that. Yeah. So it's a, it's a unique plane and it's it's, uh, it, uh, it, it's it, super cool. Single-engine-wise, yeah. it's I think is as standout as the Otter is for a twin. Oh, but there's a Beaver. The, yeah, Beavers are pretty awesome too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Amazing planes though. Yeah. yeah. So you, you you grow up flying this super cool plane, and then you decide that uh, A&P is for you, and then try the flying thing, but that's not exactly the direction you want to go. So how did skydiving start to fit into all of this stuff? Well, it started with – I think there's a lot of people that can draw, kind of make connections with either crazy fin somewhere, because <laughs> in this fin base jumping career or whatever, there's right. always there's always these lunatics, right? Right. So two of my buddies had worked with me, and um, also at, at Zimex, they were full on, full on skydivers, base jumpers, mm. and that's kind of where it where it all started. Um, it's funny, like you you look at all this extreme sport, and whether and this is early two thousands, not not so much YouTube around, but um, you kind of see videos, and like everything else in life, people look at all the dangerous things first, and you don't realize sure. that okay, you're gonna have to crawl before you're gonna jump off mountains and all this stuff. Right. Right? Not like I've done anything like that before, but so so they kind of planted the idea of of skydiving. Right. And I was like getting ready, like 2006, getting ready, like yeah, I'm gonna go skydiving. Now, obviously, only place in South Africa, there's not a lot of places to go skydiving. Sure. Are they gonna be Vonnebuem, or it's gonna be somewhere in Mossel Bay, from Mossel Bay? Mm. Um, or it's going to be in, in the Cape Town region. So then you kind of juggle life between traveling around and skydiving. Want to skydive. The idea sounds cool. Base jumping, of course. It's funny how you start with all these, like I said, like all these, these weird things before you actually, sure. you don't even know how to pull a parachute, right. but you're already standing on the edge of the mountain. Um, so kind of that's, that's where it started. Um, so the idea got there, but never got around to it. Mm. And then I got this, 
this gig and we'll talk about all the crazy stuff before or a little bit later um so yeah i just thought okay i'm gonna go skydiving nice. i wanted to do this and obviously see photos of the bomb they're like sure. okay i had no idea there was another drop zone there. <laughs> and this is long before I, I worked for right for us so um so yeah oh, this is cool you got aff on the bomb how crazy is that? i don't even know what aff mean though by the way so i was like oh cool this is this is insane man <laughs> um <laughs> so anyway so sign up i was like okay probably probably gonna have to do a tandem or whatever i like i, I don't know how this stuff works I, I, right. i've read a lot about this stuff right and anyway so um so yeah sign up for the for the tandem yeah i think actually mark norman all right yeah, yeah mark he, norman is, yeah but uh, I, I still try to figure out who was the camera guy but anyway so <laughs> um he was my tandem instructor all right yeah so like showed up in your office you're getting prepped for this for this jump right? sure and i was like yeah so tell me about yourself where you from whatever and i was like well yeah from south africa blah blah blah. all this kind of all this bullshit um and i was like yeah i want to do my aff and it's like oh yeah really when are you gonna do it? i was like yeah it's next friday <laughs> i was like yeah, i think i'm gonna have to do a tandem before this you go i had no idea but i don't know what this rush is about you go whatever and right. you try to ask people about it and people go like yeah i cannot really explain it. you need to experience like this guy's a dick man why why can't you say <laughs> right. just explain me explain me how it's gonna be and they're like okay fair enough so you kind of prep me all up ready to go you get on a plane you're like and they open the door you know thousand five hundred feet you're like holy shit, i'm doing this thing. <laughs> right and um but again you're like yeah man of course oh, oh ah, i've got this anyway so got ready jumped out like they still ask me to do all the, whatever the things hearts or mm. superman or whatever the <laughs> stuff is they ask you to entertain the camera i was like right. just thumbs up fly all the way down <laughs> awesome <laughs> never got the video though um anyway so that's when it started next friday showed up to the drop to um to the other drop zone to yeah the other drop zone um yeah, and then it all started. And wow! It's, it's from there it went on. And this Saturday we did the first jump, and that's that's four years ago. Four, four, five. So years it was ago. just pretty much full on. Because I mean, you, my first time watching you do a lot of jumping was because you were always at the front of the plane because you were wingsuiting. Mm. So I've always known you as a wingsuit jumper. So if you would have asked me, I would have said, "Well, he must have been jumping for fucking ever because he's flying around in one of those mattresses that uh, you know is big as a goddamn bedsheet uh, as a jumpsuit." Um, so you transitioned into pretty hardcore flying fast. Yeah. So I think I can honestly say that I'm. Um, I got to 199 jumps and mm. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna go wingsuit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Such a nightmare. <laughs> You do everything in reverse. Uh, you do everything in reverse, right? That's, right. And then you learn from kind of you learn from your <laughs> mistakes. Uh, so, yeah. So two hundred jumps. You're like, okay, yeah, I can wingsuit. This is right. what, this is what we're gonna do now. Uh, this is what I want to do. And actually, my the wingsuit, the yellow suit that I was jumping with, starting with, is a suit that Micah gave me. Oh, um, yeah, 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 Mr. Micah Couch. Yeah. So. And it's funny, eh? he, like I was like um, Jeff Alk was uh, was also involved in this. Mm. Um, He's would jump with uh, Fred and Vince, so uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, well, I'm gonna have the suit, whatever. I don't even know what what suits are or how do you like. Yeah, I got right. this name. This is what I want. Right. Um, but yeah, there's always this, this thing on your shoulder. It's like, yeah, maybe the suit's too big. Or you should listen to. <laughs> you should start somewhere. It's, you always have these things. Actually. Right. So, anyways, I got the suit from Micah, and he's like, yeah, just stretch it out. He's like, yeah, you'll be fine. You go jump with this thing. Um. <laughs> Anyway, so I did oh. my my uh, my my jump course with uh, 
Danny, Danny Herman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so he uh, flew to Spain, did it with him. Nice, like nice. two weeks in Spain, just full on jumping, like 50 wings who jumps straight off the bat. Oh, that doesn't suck. Yeah, never could pack a parachute, though. <laughs> Can't pack a parachute, but you're doing 50 jumps in Imperio Brava in a wingsuit. Uh, well, that is, that's where the learning curve came in, right? Yeah. It's like, can you pack it? I was like, no, I never packed it. He's like, yeah, you came from Dubai? It's like, yeah, I came from Dubai. That's why I started jumping. You know, we are treated with the best there. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, long story long story short, This is uh, that's where it all started. And uh, it's still funny. Like, I showed up back to drop zone. Yeah, I got, like, qualified. Can yeah. Jump wingsuits, whatever. And uh, obviously, we have individuals in the drop zone go like, can you wingsuit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen you the whole summer. All of a sudden, this guy standing with a suit. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where it all started. And then from there onwards, it was just full on jumping. Yeah, uh, for sure. Nonstop. Well, yeah, because, I mean, uh, uh, you're you're on every fun load you can get on as far as I can see. Yeah. It's, uh, Which is awesome. I mean, that's the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's funny because uh, uh, I actually went to, uh, to Micah um, – I think it was this the the right before he left for the summer, um, and that we lost him unfortunately. And and uh, I had started mentioning that I was really kind of starting to lean towards wanting a wingsuit, and he gave me a well, dude, just come next week, come on, I, I got plenty of suits. And I'm like, no, but you know, I need to learn. I've never never done it, and I'm you know I'm kind of taking. It. He said, no, you'll be fine. What do you mean I'll be? F- I got plenty of suits. They're they're super docile. Yeah. What? Yeah, I got Dasa. Come on, let's go. And that was Micah. You know, I mean, Micah's just like, fucking, let's do this. Let's yeah. go. Um, but I'm a pussy. <laughs> so he's saying, let's do this. And I'm like, I had somebody tell me a parachute was docile once and I broke my fucking leg. So. <laughs> yeah, you've learned, you learned from that. That, that uh, I have to add to that. That's kind of what happened. Um, like on, it was the first jump. Never jumped any suit, whatever. That's, that's on it. Got the suit on and, uh, Danilo go like, okay, shot, we're going to do this. And you jump out. Right. Like, obviously, then you practice pools or whatever. None of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) No. 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 We don't need that stuff. Yeah. Anyway, so jumped out of his portal flying. I was like, yeah, okay, got it. Kind of stable. Like, kind of know what I think I know what I'm doing. Right. (laughs) Right. Going in the right direction. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, when it came to... That's like the first deployment in this this suit that's way too big for you. Right. I mean, I went straight down. Oof. Like everything which I should have done or <laughs> supposed to be doing, missed all of it. Uh, oh, no. So, yeah, it was like a, a lost complete control of the suit. Right. Went, I wouldn't say it down because that has a different meaning in our world. But anyways, right. it was completely out of control. Right. Uh so I eventually got to the point where I find the find my find my handle and I realize okay, but this is a free fly and let's it's completely tucked in. Oh, oh no, no. So it's like proper Velcro in, not Velcro in, but it's it's tucked in. And I was like, I can't get this thing out, can't get this thing out. I'm completely out of control. I have I was like, mm, okay, what else? Anyway, so I eventually got with my left left hand around, got the got the pilot shoot out through the pilot shoot, and this perfect opening. <laughs> <laughs> we looked at the video afterwards and it is like spin 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 it's just like perfect red canopy <laughs> so if you'd opened without the spin it would have been it would have been, that would have been a mess yeah yeah of course yeah well you just spun yourself out of trouble then anyways landed this thing completely white <sighs> yeah i would imagine um so he's like oh you're gonna do that again i was like sure are we in it and i mean like <laughs> three jumps later massive cutaway 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I can't claim to be any smarter because that parachute I was saying I broke my leg on, I jumped again uh, on the next load uh, yeah. with a broken leg. So, um, yeah, I'm... Cheers to that. Yeah, cheers to that. Yeah. Like, anyways, and when I transitioned to this bigger, like, freak or whatever, flying this white freak around, um, still with this, with completely the wrong canopy in the in the in the bag, right? <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, everybody's warning you. I was like, right. yeah, man, what do you know? I was like, I'm a, I'm a new skydiver. I got got attitude. I got I got balls. I got all sure. this stuff. What do you What do you know about jumping? <laughs> You've been ten years in the sport. What are you? Whatever. Right. Anyway, so rushed home. Got this freak. Yeah, you ready for it? Got out and. Darren was like, dude, you're not jumping that suit. I was like, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> anyway, jumped out. Big, uh, what canopy was in it? Sapphire? Yeah, Sapphire 150. Uh. Wrong body position, wrong everything. Pitched pilot shoot. Massive line, twi- line twist, spin, cutaway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when your instructors are just going, yeah. yeah we told you. Yeah. Appreciate like, you. Maybe you'll listen to me next time. And you still don't listen. <laughs> no, of course not. No, of course not. Oh man. Well, that's the thing, though. It's that's the fucked up thing about the um, the whole YouTube generation, especially with this sport, is you see it, and people that are putting those videos up have put so much time in that they make what they're doing look fucking easy. You know, I mean, you 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 see the best of the wingsuiters flying down these mountains and doing all this stuff, and they've got it so dialed in that they make it look to an experienced skydiver or a marginally experienced skydiver look like, oh, I can see what he's doing, absolutely. And you think you can pull that kind of shit off. Um, And then, like, for somebody like me, that it kind of looks easy, I'll go to the tunnel, and then I'll watch someone... Uh, the you know incredible tunnel flyers where I cannot figure out what part of their body they move to make them do these ridiculously amazing stunts, and it dawns on me, oh yeah, flying down the mountain in a wingsuit is exactly the same thing. You know, it's yeah. a, it's it's a level above, and they make it look so fucking easy, and I guarantee it's not. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing about this sport. I guess um, we have the YouTube generation. Everybody everybody wants that thing. Mm. Because it's it's what you post, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's oh, gonna it's... get you all sort of street credit. I saw some uh, um, some video that summed it up with that kind of stuff, this social media shit, uh, and it was uh, um, some comedy show. But it was a chick taking pictures of herself, uh, making herself look super happy doing all this stuff. But as soon as the picture was taken, she was right back to being fucking miserable. You know, and oh, she dude, I saw for the picture. I was what was it? Yes, the day before yesterday, I was sitting went to the beach. I'll sat there like this chick showed up, probably an in, in influencer or whatever. I've got no idea. Right. Like I don't. Like I'm not even on there all day. Right. I've been on it, removed from it, been on it, whatever. Right. I'm on this. I'm, I'm on this train. Right. But anyway, so this uh, this couple of chicks showed up. Um, there was a kid there. I don't know who was the owner. Mm. One of the kids. <laughs> <laughs> the owner. But, but anyway, so now watch them like they. It's a fairly good-looking chick or whatever, maybe from Russia or whatever. I've got no idea. Um, but obviously, like, I'll put my sunglasses on not to make it so obvious that I'm looking, right? Sure. So sunglasses on watching this whole whole thing. They spent two hours taking photos, selfies on the beach, dude. They brought frames. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's and This is 
this is the fucking world we're living in now where it's all about how you present yourself. And unfortunately, when you're talking, when you take that world and you superimpose it into our world, yeah. which is fucking dangerous. Yeah, man. <laughs> people are doing willing to do some stupid shit for a picture. Exactly. This, this chick had a fucking pellet with a brush <laughs> trying to paint the sunset. I was oh, like, no. and it's exactly what you say. Like, yeah. you got all this stuff and then... Oh. We got people jumping off mountains and doing all this stuff in here. Yeah, granted. And that's the thing. They are professionals. Yes. But that's well, what we don't understand. Like some are professionals. Yes. Some wants to be professional. Well, you know, I had the talk, the chance to talk to, to Nick and Matt uh, um, and Scalabrino and Munting, and they're fucking hilarious. They're, you know, I mean, the stories that they've gotten, because they're out there doing it, and, and they're probably two of the best swing suitors on the planet. Yeah. Uh, but you'll talk to them about the real fucking knobs that are getting out there. And I think both of them and one other person told me a story about a guy that went out uh, to try and do a base jump. I think it was in Brento um, with a wingsuit and clearly, obviously had no idea what he was doing and the entire crowd knew and they stopped him from jumping. They're like, you clearly are not qualified to do this. You're going to fucking die. And the guy, of course, sneaks away, waits till everybody's gone, does it anyway and dies. Was well, it the guy that jumped with a with a normal skydiving? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Probably. It's insane, dude. You know, I mean, it's, it's shit like that, that that they see, and this is all spurred on by the whole social media, you know, and the YouTube generation. And it's not that, that it, that's a bad thing, but it gives people some fucking crazy ideas. It does, but we have to say on the flip side, it's... It also it also pays our salaries. I mean, yeah. how many people shows up and do this stuff? Oh yeah, no, hey, it's and well, and the thing is, it's fucking cool as hell. I mean, I love watching Nick, Nick and Matt specifically the videos that they do and the stuff that they're doing. I'm like, Jesus God, you know, and I know that they're okay because I just saw them. But mm. then I pull up the video of a jump that they did two weeks ago, and my sphincter is so fucking tight uh, I can barely sit still because I'm watching what they're doing, going, oh my God, oh my God, because it's so intense. Um, and I know they've got that skill, but, yeah. you know, somebody that doesn't realize all the safety and training that goes into that. Damn. You know, when I had Munting here and he was telling me how before a particular jump that they were getting ready to do, he spent like hours doing an exit into a pool. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. It was like, um, it was a couple, a couple of weeks ago, a week ago, whatever, we went, we went hiking and, and he was, he was on this, on this thing. And he's an amazing character, like, and. Obviously talking about base jumping and, and what they do around in the region or whatever. And you're like, okay, so how do you take with you? And it's always. Right. She chooses, chooses Nick to go with him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then it's kind of how they how amazing they feed off each other each other's energy. Oh, and no, it's fantastic. It's, yeah, it's, they, they're incredible individuals. Yeah, um, no, the, the Nick and Matt show is, is ongoing and amazing, and they are, they are definitely hetero life mates. I mean, those fucking guys are perfect together. They really are because they play off of each other's strengths so well back and forth, and it's fucking hilarious. Mm. That being said, it's so funny because um, – and this is something that I've learned doing the podcast, which is really weird – is you've got the personalities, the way that people are, and the way that they want to be perceived. Mm. And so I plop Nick and Matt down in the same chairs that you're in to do these interviews, and uh, uh, I assume that Munting is going to be off the charts, and I'm probably not going to speak for the entire podcast. Yeah. And I assume Nick is probably just going to nod a be little bit and maybe say the occasional thing or two. And I do the standard, who the fuck are you and what do you do? And man, Nick is off to the races, and Munting doesn't say a thing. And I'm like, holy shit, wait a second, this is bizarre. And it was so cool to see this mix of, all right, 
Matt's not doing quite what I expected, but Nick's pulling up the slack. And then it reversed during the podcast. And I'm like, this is the coolest fucking thing ever. <laughs> These guys are just playing back and forth off of each other. And it's badass. So I can't imagine that yeah. they don't do the same thing when they're out jumping and all that yeah, stuff. Man. Yeah. It's awesome. it's, that's lots of experience. Um, yeah. yeah. Like we said, it's, they are insane individuals. Yes. And, and insane in a good way. In a very good way. Yeah. 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 No, and well, well, and we've all met the ones that are insane in, in just a little too much over the top way. And most of the truly insane ones I've known in the sport aren't with us anymore. For- yeah, that's the that's the weird thing about this. Like, it's funny. Those two Finnish guys, when I started the conversation, is um, both of them stopped jumping. Mm. Um, and I don't know how many... There was actually three of them. There was a was a German guy as well, um, but he did mili- a lot of military jumps and I also think like ten uh, ten thousand plus tandems or whatever. So sure. he's kind of kind of experienced in the in the tandem thing. And the, but the two Finnish guys, um, the one started jumping because he lost somebody. Uh, if I understand correctly, it was it was a, a tandem accident. Mm. So I, I I was still trying to. Wow, that's after, rare. It's rare because after doing my. My tandem rating, I was like, obviously you see all, all these things that's been been presented to sure. you, and you're trying to figure out, but who is this person that that this person might know, right? And why would he why would he have stopped? So anyway, so that's why he started jumping because he lost a mate in that. Um, the other one just went full on to the other side. He just went base jumping, <laughs> right? Completely. Like he would, he was my back to back at Zimex, right? Before he started flying. Funny enough, that's actually engineer that went flying or a mechanic <laughs> that went flying. All right. He's fly. Uh, he's fly for fun, you know, like triple sevens or seven eight sevens, whatever. Oh, wow. So he uh, he went he went full circle. Um, so yeah, with with Zimex we did a five week, fi- yeah, five weeks on, five weeks off contract. Nice. It was a really good gig. So like six week, uh, six months a year you working, six months a year you doing whatever, doing whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, anyway, so like okay, so where are you going, man? I was like, yeah, I was in North Korea. I was like, what the fuck are you doing in North Korea for? It's like, yeah, well, there's, there's towers, there's buildings. I was like, of all the places in the world you can go North to, Korea. you go to North Korea to jump. <laughs> He's like, yeah, but I jumped all the other places. Uh, he's got a point. Um, so, yeah, that, that that made him a really good uh, – so it's it's hats off to them. Right. That's, that's the reason why I started all this. I never never thought that I would end up here in the region, right? Sure. Um, started working for a complete different outfit. Sure. My character didn't fit with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we we all run into occasional issues. So um <laughs> I was uh besides besides resigning. So I always not always knew like when I landed here I know I kinda know where I wanted to go, but I didn't know anybody. Sure. And anyways, it's one of the one of the guys that left, he he kinda kinda got me in. Um actually where I'm going with this whole thing is is the individuals that you meet in the sport. Uh. That's well, yeah, I know there was a, there was a thing to it, but one of the questions was that I wanted to ask is, um, in was it ninety eight or ninety ninety seven? Um, I watched the X Games. And okay, it was sky surfing. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think we spoke about this before at the hangar. Like, who there was there was some really good individuals that this that, that, and there's one guy that passed away recently, or not so long ago, but that did sky surfing. Oh uh, yeah, um, but. There were there were camera flyers involved with this. Sure. Uh, who who were the camera flyers back then? Um. So well, the 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 gold medalist actually when he died, unfortunately, uh, was a guy by the name of Vic Papadato. Uh, Vic Papadato was an epic cameraman that flew for Troy Hartman, yeah. um, who's still around and and still jumping and still a badass. 
Uh, and uh, um, Vic was actually killed, not doing anything sky surfing wise. He was uh, just jumping a, a fun jump, a silly thing back then. But the way that a, a sky surf team worked was, and especially when they were doing it, uh, you had um, the sky surfer. And then you had the camera flyer that would do a choreographed routine, just like you're doing any of the, you know, two people routines. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were even doing it with air to ground uh, video. Uh, So they were able, so they're wearing these massive fucking things on their helmets to be able to broadcast the video direct back to the ground and all this stuff. So epic shit. And then um, probably the the best one that I've ever seen flying personally was uh, Craig O'Brien. Uh, Craig O'Brien and uh, his wife uh, Tanya were the team that uh, skunked me and my sky surf partner uh, in the 98 Nationals. Um, not that we ever had a chance to beat but them in the, the first place. The, the reason why I ask this question is because um, I can remember like 98, 97. Mm. And I can't remember if 1999 there was any X Games. But oh, yeah. X Games um, – did you guys go to X Games? No, 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 no. We weren't nearly that good. No. Uh, not nearly that good. And and the X Games was pretty short lived for sky surfing, just because it's not a spectator friendly sport. Uh, it's you know you you go to where the competition's having, and you still got to watch TV. Uh, to watch it happen because obviously it's all happening in the air. It's not in your face. Uh, all you're seeing is parachutes landing on the beach or wherever they happen to have that competition. Yeah. Um, but the guys that were doing that were like groundbreakingly good, uh, yeah. just out- astounding. And then about the time that uh, my partner and I were starting to get there and get good, uh, Sean McCormick came up with a move called the Invisible Man. The Invisible Man was a stand-up spin on a sky surfboard that spun so fast that he became blurry. You couldn't you couldn't really focus on him. Oh. Hence the reason that they called it the Invisible Man. The problem with that move was he was having to duct tape his arms to keep from blowing out all the blood vessels in his arms when he came out of the spin. You know, so he'd have to stretch his arms out to stop that spin, and he'd blow out all the blood vessels and barely be able to open his parachute. Holy shit. Oh yeah, and that's when a lot of people just went, okay. I think we've hit our limit with sky surfing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because on, on all this whole skydiving thing, my like my vision and, and being and doing all this stuff was like ninety eight X Games. Sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's a because I, I started jumping in ninety five um, or late ninety five, early ninety six, and uh, my biggest competition was the ninety eight nationals in sky surfing, and then sky surfing kind of went by the wayside. Uh, one of the the most famous uh, sky surfers was the guy was a guy by the name of Rob Harris, uh, who was fucking incredible he was the poster boy for sky surfing super handsome guy really charismatic and fantastic on the fucking board um and him and joe jennings uh who was his camera flyer just had this they had this way about them when they flew like they came up with this move called the tidy bowl in the hole uh, tidy bowl in the hole was Rob Harris would be on his head uh, in a helicopter on the board spinning one direction and uh, Joe Jennings would be on his back carving the opposite direction around him. Uh, but that's that's way before the whole free flying. Oh, well, it's it's kind of at the same time that it was really going. So this is also when Olaf Zipser and the free fly clowns were just really smashing everything. Yeah. So these were my heroes. You know, I mean, my heroes in the sport were um, Olav and... Um, uh, Mike Ortiz and, and the Flyboys and and all of these rock star fucking uh, you know uh, flyers and and Omar and 
just incredible free flyers as well as this insane uh, stuff that was going on with the board, which was happening, I think, kind of because of the influence of free flying. Um, so when Joe Jennings, and you'd have to ask him to know specifically, but when they came up with moves like that, his doing this amazing back carve, almost on his head, carving around the Sky Surfer was very reminiscent of a lot of the shit that they were doing on like the, the Free Flight Crown, uh, Clowns Chronicles videos, mm-hmm. which was the shit that I basically masturbated to at night because it was that badass. That's a problem. 98 was a bad year for masturbating. I can remember that. <laughs> Because it was all X, it was all X games like Tony Hawk and all that stuff, like stuff that you cannot do. Yeah, it's like I'll, I'll rather masturbate. That's yeah. what I'm good at. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that was the only thing I excelled in at that time for yeah, sure. <laughs> it's pretty good at it. <laughs> yeah, for goddamn sure. Yeah, if you're gonna win a uh, medal in it, that definitely would have had that. Yeah, it's a two hand shuffle. <laughs> That's impressive. Well, yeah. Are there separate competitions for left-handers and right-handers? And if you can compete in both, then you're really winning. I never got there, so I don't know. Oh, fair enough. Mm. Fair enough. It was a hard. <laughs> hard job hard job yeah man uh, I, the back then was the sky surfing was really cool but it kind of just kind of hit its peak and i know it's making a bit of a comeback which is awesome as long as they don't go for these moves that require fucking duct taping body parts uh, because there's so much finesse involved with flying that board and i've got maybe 50 board jumps um mm-hmm. and i'm not particularly good at it but i can understand it but i've filmed hundreds of them and watching the finesse that goes into flying one of these boards and the like the tom stanton boards that these guys were flying are as tall as i am and feather light so imagine having a massive prop strapped to your feet yeah and trying to be you know poetic basically with it but it's just a any and like whatever board you can come up with, or did it had a? Had um, a I think one of the first ones was a company called Surf Flight, and I may be wrong, and I'm sure there are people out there calling me out, but I think Surf Flight was one of the first ones, and it was basically just um, um, particle board cut out in the shape of a flat surfboard, and the bindings were the important part uh, because you had to be able to cut it away. Mm. Um, so as soon as they came out with those bindings, people would go out and buy bindings and just build their own board, but there were a couple of companies. Tom Stanton in specific that was coming up with really hardcore boards that were ridiculously light, all the honeycombed and and just awesome stuff. Anybody in competition, I think, was flying a TS, I think. Um, But before then, yeah, it was just to build your own board. And I learned how to fly a board in the Las Vegas wind tunnel. Um, Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. Like how – it's funny how we talk about the old school – I I had this question always, so – because I like I kind of kind of your era where there was a lot of sky surfing. So yeah. <laughs> my era. <laughs> I'm gonna need another drink for this. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, yeah. I'll pour it in this thing. Yeah, you're right. In the big beaker. Yeah. That was uh, made by a fan of a fan of the podcast. Made me some really cool stuff. I'm not sure why the why it's all medical stuff, but it's kind of cool. Oh, dude, did you you watch the Dumb and Dumber Two show? I have. Yeah. 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 You remember the the guy in the the orange jumpsuit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay. It's like, who's the astronaut? You use stuff like this, right? There you go. All right. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, anyway, back to your question about the. Uh, so, yeah, the whole sky surfing, sky surfing thing. I, I kind of guess this, that's where it all, all started. And then, mm. obviously, people that you meet feels, uh, feels the ex, uh, extreme part of it. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, just from there onwards. Um, it's, yeah. uh, for me, it, it all began with the wind tunnel, um, the Vegas wind tunnel. Yeah, I, I had seen a, um, a TV show. I think it was called That's Incredible. 
It was either That's Incredible or Real People. Those were two shows that I was hooked on when I was a kid. And those were the shows I would always watch with my dad. So it was one of my favorite memories with my dad when I was a kid is we'd go watch this show. And they had a feature of a place called Flyaway in Las Vegas. And it was the first public indoor wind tunnel. And I remember watching this show as a kid, not sure how old I was, probably 10, 12 years old, watching these people flying around in big baggy balloon suits in this air column and bouncing off the walls and thinking that was the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. And then when I moved to Las Vegas, they had the grand reopening, and I just happened to get one of those flyers stuck on my car in between all the porn flyers that they would bury your car in. Absolutely. You know what the best thing about those cards are? No. You take them, you put them in your buddy's car. <laughs> He's got the only car with all these massage <laughs> business cards on it. He's like, dude, why don't you get any cars? like, I don't know, man. Maybe you are the popular one. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. So those, that's the reason why you take those cards. No, fair enough. Yeah. Well, that's the reason why you take those. No, I didn't say you do, but <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I so I went back on the grand reopening of that, and that's what started my entire skydiving career was that wind tunnel. Yeah, yeah, and it was flying once and fly away, and and the the instructor had a great sales pitch, um, and uh, that was it. I was Robert Ogle, and I was hooked. And it's amazing how the tunnels has changed. It's not like oh, I, yeah. I can't say much about tunnels because I can remember the first day I was in the tunnel. <laughs> It was a mess. Yeah, man. I think Pablo Rua, he can add to it. it. The tunnels are the great equalizer. It's It was amazing. Yeah. It was terrible. Like, I in, I went inside the tunnel, and I was like, okay, I can do this. Because I did, like, 50 – I just did 50, uh, 50 jumps, right? I'm professional. You're pro. Yeah, man. You got it. So, got in it. So, eventually, God all tried this whole figure thing. So, I was standing against the wall. I was like, I just want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> right I just want to go but just get me out of this thing well I mean if it makes you feel any better I got fucking more than 11,000 jumps and I feel like that most times when I'm in the tunnels you know, I was no. like I just want to go home yeah no this needs to end because yeah. I just feel ashamed <laughs> and I'm in pain and I still can't backfly yeah yeah no dude it's the great equalizer i mean fuck i probably i have hundreds and hundreds of hours in the las vegas tunnel and they do not translate directly skill level into the modern tunnels they really they, i mean they give you the basics but you know the vegas tunnel was big fat soggy air and you just kind of it was a lot of fun and you could pull off some awesome shit but you had to fly really aggressive but the modern tunnels require finesse yeah but is it it's a big open air tunnel right uh no no that one's closed um but it's got cushions that sit around the side of it so it's got a dead air so you're oh. flying in an air column that you can fall off of yeah which makes it fun because we would go in there and play king of the hill and somebody would always leave bloody which was awesome it's kind of like what they got in it the uh what's that movie drops in Dro- what's yeah, it? Drops yeah, in? yeah yeah so that's the that's the open air version just imagine walls around that exact one out of that out of that movie that for was sure a good movie though yeah, yeah that's one of the ones that got patty wax stuff flying a porter <laughs> imagine how many <laughs> right. times national aerobatic champion in the u.s and flying a porter flying a porter uh regan tidlow i think just did an interview with her oh really yeah, yeah, on uh, um, the the air channel thing that he does now. It's insane. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't say like whatever, but anyway. So, um, we didn't have a lot of lot of magazines came out. Like we had the flying magazine, whatever. So she she was famous in South Africa because for some reason South Africa aerobatics is a big thing, mm. huge. So we have a really we have really good teams. Um, when I started my aviation career, I worked for a company. We were looking after three. Yeah, three um, teams. Three teams of three was uh, the Smirnoff, and then they had a Smirnoff aerobatic team, mm. famous famous aerobatic team flying pit specials. Wow. 
So they had, a, they had all of them S2s, double-seater. And there was one guy that had, uh, was a S, S2A or whatever. It was a single seat. Massive machines. Pretty too. Yeah, yeah. Insane. Yeah. Um, but that's another thing. It's like kind of like skydiving. Like people in the, in the aerobatics world, you know them. And it's people that you know because they they passed on. Yeah, yeah, um, So, yeah, the, the the big one was the one that was sponsored by uh, Smirnoff. Okay. Vodka. All right. Yeah. Until it was taboo to... Right. ...to advertise drink. <laughs> Which it's is problem. insane. It's a problem. Yeah. Huge problem. I uh, um, I think my first introduction to uh, an aerobatic plane was seeing a Christian Eagle. And that was a beautiful plane, mm. which is, it looks like a pits. Uh, I, I personally couldn't tell the difference, but I'm not a fucking mechanic. And I'm not I'm not a huge aviation nerd either. I know the planes that I've flown, and I know the ones that I'd like to fly. And other than that, I don't really know them too well. Yeah, I had a bad bit, a uh, really good share of working on different airplanes. Look, most science is science. It works one way or it doesn't work. Right. So the theory works the same. Sure. Now, um, I, there's a, actually a bunch of questions I want to ask because it's so funny uh, thinking back over my experience in the sport and being tied into aircraft so much more than I would have been not being a skydiver, even if I was a pilot. Um, skydiving kind of throws you into the maintenance side of, of aviation as a pilot much more than you would ever think because at least in the States, you're kind of forced to troubleshoot. Yeah. Um, so one of the, the A&P guys that I became friends with and knew for many years, both from cross keys and, and, uh, working at different drop zones, uh, had said something along the lines of, uh, turbines are amazing, but I can't believe fucking internal combustion engines even work. Like he, he's like, how much wine did we add? A fair amount. Fair enough. Okay. It's going to be difficult to explain the inner works of a turbine engine and a piston engine. He, right he, he basically, he was just saying that a turbine is so much more reliable than a piston that so much more can go wrong he's like a, a piston he did he didn't have a whole lot of faith in well considering you start your whole flying career on a piston yeah oh i know but looking back on it i'm scared shitless no, dude. <laughs> <laughs> i guess you it's where you're gonna take it because it's um or who you're gonna have working on it that's the main thing because yeah. a lot of these people that that have planes sure uh, smaller planes are owner operators or they work on them themselves right it's very easy to go get a amp ticket by the way is it really yeah yeah really just, uh, yeah it's all kind, right it's kind of like your jump numbers dude all right <laughs> i mean well all right so uh, as a as a jump pilot again i like i said I've, I've been able to dive into the maintenance side of things a little bit more than i normally would uh, I actually once hypothetically had to help rebuild the entire fuel system for a twin otter un- well, how did you find su- that? unsupervised, which was not fun. Unsupervised? Oh, allegedly. Yeah? Yeah. What was this? Allegedly, I didn't do it right and uh, didn't hook up one of the hoses and allegedly had to redo it at night in a cornfield with flashlights. Oh, tell me you were the driver. I was. Yeah? I was. Here's the here's the funny thing. Allegedly, I'm going to keep using that word, um, yeah. as soon as the first load went up and the fuel flow wasn't happening, I knew exactly- What you did wrong. Exactly what I had done wrong. Um, and fixed it relatively quickly after getting a shitload of jet fuel in my ear, strangely enough, because- Anybody that knows an otter knows all the the fuel sumps. And for those that know what a fuel sump is, it's where you pull extra fuel out of the bottom of the plane to make sure there's no water and shit in the fuel. Anyway, uh, I accidentally hit one of those and with my head turned sideways, dumped a bunch of jet fuel in my ear, which required a hospital trip. (laughs) 
to get it out. How's the earring today? Yeah, it's a little little tinny. Is he here? Little tinny, yeah, that was that was a good one. Um, I mean, so you've been working on these for a long time, and you were um, working on aircraft long before you were a jumper. Uh, what don't I want to know? What don't you want to know? Yeah, what don't I want to? I know what I know, but what don't I want to know? Like, have I you? Don't... <laughs> it's um... well. The one thing that I can say, well, I'm going to have to take some time to think about this. But the one thing that I let me take a sip of wine. Mm. Um, well, I ask this specifically because when I do test flights. Um, on aircraft that have had a lot of maintenance done, um, most of the time you've got a mechanic on board. Um, and if the mechanic is even slightly trepidatious about getting in the airplane. <laughs> yeah, or like the day when you showed up and went flying, you're like, dude, I haven't flown in three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Being like, yeah, that kind of makes me nervous. But that's the one that's, that's, that kind of makes it different to, I would say the rest of the world, like a skydiving operation, because you do a million and one landings yeah. and takeoffs. So yeah. that's one one phase of the flight that that most things can go wrong. Sure. Well, and that's the, the huge benefit yeah. is, yeah, as a jump pilot, the the one phase of flight that I'm most comfortable with is the thing that I is, that is also generally the most dangerous: takeoffs and landings. And I do more takeoffs and landings in a year than most, uh, you know, airline pilots do in a career. Yeah, I know. Like if I go fly fly with you guys or whatever, if we do what if the engine changes or whatever, we we've done. Um, uh, I guess the basis of this whole conversation is to to assure that. Most of these things are so much safety systems that that's been built into it. Yeah, they're like pretty. You, yeah, you're gonna have to fuck up big time. Yeah, like well, not putting a bolt in on the wing. That's that's will be one thing. <laughs> um, that yeah, that will it's gonna 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 ruin your day and you're gonna leave some marks or oh, whatever. But I, I suppose that's kind of one thing that I kind of count myself lucky in that I've had the issues that I've had. I've had a fair number of of engine issues over my career where I've been required to land a multi engine with just one running, um, and it's not commonplace. It's never commonplace. It always uh, um, gets your full and undivided attention. But it's not necessarily a holy shit moment, mm. especially when you trust the crew that's on the ground. And that's something that I don't think gets said enough. To be perfectly honest, is um, as as a longtime jump pilot, having faith in the guys that are spinning wrenches on that plane is huge. It is so important. And most jumpers don't think about it. When I was just a jumper. The plane's running, you get on the fucking plane. You literally never think twice unless something goes wrong. Um, so it's epic when I'm sitting up front realizing shit does go wrong and I trust these guys. So it really it gives you the warm and fuzzies when you're flying around. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, to add on, on to what I wanted to say was there's so much so much systems that's been built into place. Mm. Um, yeah, Call us mechanics, whatever it is. There's still a certain level of engineering. You need to be on it on a certain level. But um, there's so much redundancy has been built into these things. Mm. Like the Twin Otter is an old plane. Yes. Firstly, like yes. this is this is 1960s stuff. But if you think of if you think of our technology has changed, most of the shit to be using today is still stuff of 1960. Except oh, yeah. except for the advances in comp- composites and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the the inner workings of a turbine. Same thing. It was a 
uh, a guy that was wearing a white suit with really thick fucking glasses that figured it out a long time ago. Right. It works one way or the other. Yeah. It's the same with with SpaceX that launched their stuff to space. Yeah. Like, yeah, they they invented a new fucking engine, but the the process of how it works, it's the same. Absolutely. So there's nothing about that 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 would change. The only thing that would change, like, maybe materials that you're using. Like, are we using instead of burning solid fuels we're using methane or right. we're using oxygen or whatever we whatever whatever they are using right now and and the use of electronics so that's the the kind of thing that has that has changed today <laughs> yeah but for it, sure the the things that can go wrong to answer the question yeah there are many things <laughs> there are there are there are million and ten things hmm. but there's there's checks and balances in place to make sure that indeed that you you don't don't fuck up in a certain way well, yeah well and that's one of the reasons that the, uh, the pilots are trained the way they are always to be trained for that one in a million thing that can go wrong because what was the the saying that was out forever is flying is 98 percent boredom and two percent terror which is about right because when Just repeat that again flying is 98 percent boredom yeah. and about two percent terror which is about right because 98% of the time everything works perfectly. It's doing exactly what it's supposed to do. And this is just on a mechanical side. So if, if there's terror outside that 2% it's your own damn fault. Yeah, but you're doing the same thing all the time, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, well you get yeah. complacent but doing the same thing all every day the same thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the thing. I'll be and I'll be the first to admit that. Yeah, people get caught out in that. If you do um we have a thing and and our and our call it our line of work, whatever mm. you want to call it. So we have human factors. You guys also have human factors sure. and and um, CRM, crew resource management, all this kind of shit that they they teach us <laughs> these days. <laughs> right. Um, but there's a, there's a human element to it that we have to have to remember ourselves. I mean, mm. It's something that's called the called the dirty dozen, like a. Fuck! Don't ask me about all them. I'm supposed to know them, but I like it. I just know there's there's dozen. There's a dozen, and I, I forgot. It's like is it dozen six or is it dozen twelve? <laughs> Shit goes wrong. Yeah. So, um, so it's inherently things that we do that that would cause these issues. Mm. Um, but so far, um, what I have found, like in places where you work, you, you're going to find a bunch of people that are really into what they're doing. Right. And people that it's, that's, that's still on holiday. Right. That's that's there, but they're not there. They're just coasting. Yeah. And those, those are the people that you, you kind of need to look over their shoulder. <laughs> sure. Because you're going to, you take the responsibility. Like, yeah, call us mechanics, call us engineers, whatever you want to wanna call us. Um, you carry a certain amount of responsibility. Sure. And so... There will be people in in certain positions that look over these things. That mm. will make sure that everything will be perfect. Sure, it's not like everything will not be perfect. Um, well, and it's it those checks and balances, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, to get to get to it, uh, like there are occasions where you're gonna maybe try to cut the corner or whatever. But sure. it's even if you do that, it's there's sure. en- there's enough stuff in place to. To make sure that the corner has not been cut that long, <laughs> right. it's like kind of the long path goes along goes along with the shortcut. Sure. Well, now, and you guys have to when you're doing the the inspections of the repairs or replacements or anything like that. The, the manufacturers of the equipment that you're dealing with, the aircraft equipment, have 
been doing this for so fucking long that it's literally a laundry list of things that you have to do and check off as you're doing them, you know? Uh, so you guys have, beside the fact that you got to make sure everything fucking works right and you have to have the intuition to do that, you got to do a shitload of the paperwork as well. But that paperwork is a good check to make sure, oh, I didn't forget this. Just like a checklist is for a pilot or a flow is for a pilot. Um, it's, oh, did I forget to do this? Did I forget to do that? Mm, I mean, yeah, if you got, if you got about forgetting things or whatever, but the checklist, (laughs) (laughs) whoa. Anyway, so the whole thing, so by time, especially the Twin Otter is a super old airplane. If you're talking to just about Twin Otter, even if you talk about 737, Mm. it's an, it's an old plane. It's, yeah, it's, they're it's 70s, aren't they? Whatever, yeah, whatever the date is. Yeah, because somebody's going to listen to it's like yeah, it's not 70, it's 69 or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, so it's through the call it the evolution of this of this this frame or whatever. Sure. The better things has been put onto it. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like what you guys are saying. Oh, I don't want to fly jump four because it's too heavy. I don't want to fly jump seven because it's too fast. So this one turns too quick, or this one flies <laughs> skew, or whatever it is. But it's it's that feel that you have for it, right? Sure. Um, granted, it might fly skew or not. I don't know. If it flies right. skew, I might have done a, I did something wrong with it. Right. Funny enough, this it was it was wrong, so we fixed it. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the thing too, and that's actually where the the tie comes in. That where I had mentioned um, being a little bit more into the maintenance that's going on in an aircraft than I would be outside of the sport is because so much of what we do as jump pilots is feel that it's very easy for me to translate to you in idiot terms. I mean, granted, you guys have got to figure out what I actually mean (laughs) compared to the words that I'm saying. But um, it, I get to try and describe to you what it's doing in a much more um, tight-knit setting than I would be if I was some airline trying to write something up. Um, with you, it's not so bad. <laughs> All right, I'll take that. Yeah. Um, I was dealing with a lot of French pilots when I worked for Zimex. Okay. And they're very um, animative. Like, uh, they would go like, the engine makes bang, bang. And I was like, just write that down for me. Right. If it makes bang, bang, just write bang, bang. Is it bang, bang or bang, boom? What, which one is it? <laughs> I saw some, uh... Uh, some post years ago uh, that was fucking hilarious, and it was uh, one of those uh, airline pilot memes, something or other, and it was a joke about pilots writing up different problems and the responses the mechanics would get. And one of the ones was something like, uh, there's a knocking behind the panel, like there's a troll back there pounding on stuff, and the response from the mechanic was troll removed. <laughs> they, we do stuff like like I do stuff like that, I must it's admit. fucking perfect. But anyway, so it's kind of like, did you, did you see that video of uh, – was it Wolf Ferrell with a with a um, that just don't care or whatever that that song? Oh fuck! I must look for. It. Oh, I don't have my phone yet. But anyway, so I think I posted it on a group. Anyway, so the <laughs> the thing the thing what it sim- what it sim- simulates is him as an Iran Iran pilot, mm. and he's written something up in the, in the tech log, and it sings that song about oh, fuck who's his band. But anyway, it's like I just don't care, whatever. He right. wrote it up, and he just don't care. It's like dropping the mic and just walk out. <laughs> It's kind of kind of the same thing, so. Um, <laughs> well, and that's kind of the hitch that you're in too, because you're in a very restrictive maintenance schedule. I mean, this is not mom and pop drop zone. We're we're talking about a larger no, drop. But that's zone. A, that's a, that's that's what makes us so amazing. This whole the whole thing, like my whole aviation career, like working for the airlines, working for another 
operator slash airline because we we operated seventy aircraft in Zimax. Mm. Zimax, yeah, at, yeah. at one time. Um, when I started, it was going super well. We were super busy. Lots of twin otters, 1900, 200s, name them all. ATRs, they were all there. Um, and it, it brings a wealth of experience. Sure. Because you, yeah. you might be eight guys working. Everybody else is lying next to the pool. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how it works. Right. Like everybody's having a great time, but except you. But anyways, that comes around again. Like they are flying and you are having fun. Right. Um, so it brings it brings a wealth wealth of experience and and you kind of know things mm. like whatever people are saying you get to know these machines sure like you would know your phone yeah oh intimately very intimate yeah like it depends <laughs> well there's some <laughs> there's limits <laughs> big aviation fans out there yeah <laughs> or there's enthusiasts I've been intimate in a plane but I've never been intimate with a plane oh, I've never been there though but. Um, it's on. It's on the list. Hypothetically, uh, I've, anybody that's out there, it's on the list. Hypothetically, <laughs> I've actually experienced that while flying. What? Yeah. Hypothetically, oh, this is all hypothetical. Oh, cheers. Hypothetically, yeah, cheers. cheers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we're all just. This is all just stories. It's just mm. stories, folks. Just stories. Well, I mean, it's it's again, it's it's very cool to be able to try and um, work with someone that you can go. All right, I think it's this. I think it's that, um, and have. Again, I have just enough of a working knowledge of what I'm talking about to not sound like a complete moron, but still sound special. Very special. Yeah. Because if you... <laughs> <laughs> I just had to add that very special. Yeah. But anyway, so um, that's the one thing that I have to have to give to, to what is going on in aviation today. Mm. They take a lot of time and effort into training pilots to know the technical aspect of it. Mm. So there are, trust me, there are, there are pilots out there that probably knows the inner workings of a turbine better than the engineer that's going to work on it sure. or the technician that's going to work sure. on it. Sure. And it does help. Like if you, if you, if you want to have any, any sort of troubleshooting or whatever it is, if you know the systems, it is very easy to, to sure. troubleshoot. Like if you would fly and it's like, listen, dude, I have a problem with X, Y, Z. I was right. like, okay, X, Y, Z is the problem. It it makes it makes the downtime a lot easier. Sure. And to I wanted to say it earlier, but kind of this wine is having an effect now. But <laughs> the the thing about these jump planes, um, I've never worked for skydiving operation operation before. Mm. Um, so these planes are kind of my heart and soul. Like sure. I, like I really appreciate what I'm doing. The organization that we're working for, it is it's a lot different than what I'm what I'm used to. Mm. We were talking about the Zimic story earlier when you when you took the planes to or one of the planes to mm. uh, to Switzerland yeah. and they did the mainframe change or whatever. Um, like we were running the plane in in to one of the one of the uh, the Zimix engineers or whatever we were running the plane, getting it all rigged or whatever. And they are so still used to use the old engine, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, we well, remember this. It's like, dude, it's thirty fours, but. <laughs> It's like what you guys are using thirty fours. It's like yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, we're we using thirty fours, and it it does it does change a lot. Um, and the one thing about operating the way that we are, temperature, where we are, and how we operate—that's sure. the main thing. Doesn't matter where we are. So we're always on 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 the maximum capa- capacity of what we can operate. Sure, sure. And that's what we're trying to give. Like this is this is what we can do. What our engineering department can do. Sure. And engineering, what we can do is to 
to support what we are doing. And that's that is a huge deal. Oh, like yeah. that's like if you talk about the turnaround time or whatever, that's like how quickly we can get up to altitude and do what we want to do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and the the well, the whole sport in specifically skydiving in aviation beats the living hell out of all the equipment that we use, whether it's the parachutes, whether it's the the staff, whether it's the the aircraft. I mean, we work the living shit out of them. Um, I mean, for Christ's sakes, being able to turn 20, 30, 40 loads a day uh, in hot temperatures, just up and down and up and down and up and down and abusing the living hell out of these uh, aircraft daily, and they just keep going, says so much for people that design this shit before I was born. I mean, it's insane. The the fact that the equipment can handle it... <laughs> Believe me, you are not the first person to be drunk in this studio. <laughs> what? Drunk? <laughs> I wouldn't say much, but I came in with that, that bottle that I came in with. That fucking gin and dude. Yeah. Gin and dry lemon. Perfect. Yeah, man. Perfect. Set the stage. That's the way it should be. Yeah, Absolutely. Man. No, I mean it's it, it's funny that the the aircraft are as bulletproof as I could imagine. I never would have thought that I'd be flying equipment that could handle the way that we beat it, which we and that's just the industry is up and down and up and down and up and down, and you are flying at max performance at all times because we want to get these jumpers up top as quick as we can, and then we want to get back down as fast as we can to get the next round. Um, that's the entire, that's our whole business is going up and down as quick as possible. Um, but again, I think that the, a big undersold part of that is the guys spinning the wrenches that keep the planes in the air. Uh, yeah, but dude, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. Like, of course it is. Yeah. That's, um, it's you like, yeah, man. Well, but I mean, I've, I've worked at drop zones, um, that where the maintenance wasn't so great. And people, every time they heard a, anything slightly different out of that airplane, they were shitting their pants, you know, not knowing what the hell was coming next because they weren't confident with the equipment. But you work in a place where you know you've got people that are on the ball that are taking care of the equipment and a pilot that knows what the hell he's doing. And you see the whole relaxed nature of the the staff and the jumpers in regard to the safety of the aircraft. That's a huge thing. It really yeah, is. It, it it comes with the experience. That, sure. That's the. That's not to say these guys didn't have experience before. They might have, but if you if you worked if you worked on a PD six or whatever, there's a certain element of stuff that you can bring to it. Sure. If you worked on the airframe, there's a certain amount of stuff that you can bring to that. Um, we are fortunate. We had we had guys working for us that was that brought a wealth of experience mm. oh you know them you flew with them in the in the what's the virgin islands or wherever you guys were flying. yes with in the virgin islands yeah. yeah so you know these people that yeah and it it it, it brought a wealth of uh, a wealth of experience sure um saying that it, it brings a certain element of of well, confidence and knowing to what you're doing in the downtime that sure that that things are going to happen yeah and, for sure and so far we have been lucky except except for for some of the aircraft that we're operating especially the new the newer ones or whatever do you have electrical systems or whatever that that might alleviate downtime mm. but for the workhorses like oh. whatever numbers we have they just keep on going oh yeah they're beasts absolute beasts and yeah it's a perfect plane yeah. I would say perfect plane for for what we are doing, how we are doing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. 
You know, I was lucky in that I, the first uh, turbine airplane I ever flew was a Pac-750, which is a, a Kiwi airplane that I still love to this day. It was a shitload of fun to fly, and for tandem operations, it was fantastic, and it was as bare-bones an aircraft as you can get. Um, but you will never, ever, ever top a Twin Otter, as far as I'm concerned, as the most incredible airplane ever. It's my favorite plane. And it is, it, it, just like the Pac-750, the first time I ever saw a Twin Otter, I went, eh. Because it doesn't, I mean, it's, Why? it's got wings, it's got the spinny choppy things, it's it's not sexy until you get to know it, and then it's the sexiest fucking goddamn what thing you've ever seen. What do you mean? It has, it has fucking apron appeal like you cannot believe, man. <laughs> oh, no, I'm in your corner now. Trust me, now the Twin Otter is the most gorgeous machine I've ever seen, but first looking at it, or the pack, the pack was fucking butt ugly yeah. until I started flying it, and then it just was, oh my God. This is, oof. It works. Yeah, I get to climb inside this every day. And What's your name, baby? Exactly. You know, I mean, it just became this incredibly sexy thing because I found out how well it performed and I but got that's, to fly it. Yeah, that's the main thing. Like, if you, it can look Ooh, super like, sexy. Yeah. But it performs shit. Sure. Sure. What's your opinion of the new uh, Car- or the, the new uh, Cessna, the multi-engine? Have you seen this? Which one? You haven't seen it no, yet? I was joking. <laughs> That's the fucker. <laughs> no, I saw it. Um, I mean, it, it kind I of, haven't read anything about it. It looks like an otter with thin wings, which makes me nervous for jumping. Well, obviously, the whole thing about Cessna that we have to remember, like for the for the enthusiasts that listen to this, um, the thing about Cessna and the same with the caravan is that's something that's, that was very specifically designed for for a specific task. Sure. Like the caravan was designed to feed FedEx. Sure. So, and it it kind of got stumbled on about on this racehorse, or not this workhorse, not race, this workhorse that it that it is. It's versatile. You can use it. Um, so that's the aircraft that that we know right and it's it's all it's an all runner you can use it you can you can put bigger engines on it you can do whatever like sure. in the skydiving world it's amazing how many specialists are there in the skydiving world that comes to engineering or sure. this kind of stuff but um and everybody has an opinion granted you have an opinion or whatever it is. right um so i didn't read much about the the what's it called skyvan Sky, sky, skyliner, or whatever. Uh, yeah, something like whatever, that. I'm not sure. Whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it. It's specifically something that's again been designed for FedEx. Right. Yeah. I mean, it looks yeah. like a multi-engine version of the caravan meant for short haul cargo stuff. Yeah. So, for sure, can we jump from it? Yeah, you can jump from anything you want. Of course. Want well, if, yeah, but that's, that's if you ask a skydiver. But if in in terms of 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 planes and how we would operate like i would still <laughs> still go with to an order yeah and we, oh yeah and and porter or whatever 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 is available um my I've first, tried many things yeah my first thought when i saw that was um the fuselage looks a lot like a twin otter um a fair amount like it but the wings are straight fucking cessna uh, and I saw that it's got a cruising speed of like 220 knots. And as soon as I saw that, knowing that the Twin Otter's got maybe 150, maybe, and those big fat wings that you could crawl inside, mm-hmm. um, I can't imagine having, and as a jump pilot, what I want is that versatility on jump run. Yeah. I want to be able to 
handle any situation that's coming up. I've got an entire load hanging off the tail, uh, you know, and I'm trying to keep the speed up or I, I want to get as slow as I can because I'm trying to stretch that jump run out for slow moving tandems. Uh, I want that versatility. I don't see that car- or that Cessna having that. But that that's a lot. Yeah, it's like you say, it's a lot to do with the, with the wing and yeah. how, the wing, how the wing is shaped. Yeah. But was it designed for jumping? No. That's the that's the thing. That's will the f- it be used for jumping? Probably. Oh, of course it will. Well, that's the funny thing, though, is the Otter wasn't designed for jumping, but you'd think it was because, God damn, it's th- it was designed. It was designed for the Outback. Yeah. Well, it's as stole as it yeah. gets. I mean, it's that's that's as, as short field as it gets. Yeah. You know, uh, I'll I'll put up a, to an Otter against anything for you know what the, what we're doing with it for yeah. sure. Any other planes that you flew? Ex- exciting planes, not not one seven twos. No, no, no. I mean, the I, obviously the the one seventy two, one eighty two, two hundred six, all that shit. Um, but uh, the Pack seven fifty and the Twin Otter are the only two that are are really standouts. I've flown. Uh, I've got I don't know a couple thousand hours in well, maybe about fifteen hundred hours in caravans. But that's not. I mean, it's a, it's a decent plane. You know, yeah, it's, it's, I, like I flew the caravan. It's. It's like a blown up one seven two. Yeah, I mean it's all right. It's it's a good bird. Uh, I definitely don't say anything about, bad about it. And, and I know that the Texas conversions with the beefy engine is supposed to be fast as fuck. Um, not so sure about the Blackhawk conversion, but that's a depends where you get the engine from. <laughs> yeah, it's a conversation for another time. Hmm. It is, but there are so many engine shops in the in the U.S. Right, many. Like we we use engine shops in America. Sure. But it's well vetted. Sure. Um, obviously, it's not not agreed by the manufacturer because the manufacturer wants to have their things. Sure, of course. Um, but yeah, not to go too deeply into the whole black or conversion or whatever it is. Um, those engines work. Sure. It works on the two hundred. It works. It works very well. It's just the batch that came out. <laughs> It was a bad batch. It's a bad batch. Yeah. And shit does happen. It does. That That's the, the nerve-wracking part about shit happening in a single engine as opposed to a multi-engine yeah. is the consequences. The are, options. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's very few options when mm. shit hits the fan in a single engine. Uh, again, having uh, had, I, I want to say career-wise, I've had now either seven or eight single-engine m- landings on a multi-engine aircraft. I've never had a no-engine landing on a single-engine aircraft, and I'd like to keep it that way, which is also why but the idea know, of flying any plane that requires a key to start it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> oh, but that's all done now, man. It's like push the button and it starts, man. Yeah, no, man. I, I'll tell you what. The one spinny choppy thing out in front, oof. It's funny. I need, I, I need nothing, I want to add to the story. So this warbird that we were talking about earlier. So one of my one of my dad's very close friends, they flew together in the military. Okay. So the Air Force pilots, and they flew they flew this, uh, it's called an AMC-3, and, and it's called a boss uh, book or whatever, okay. which means to, it translates to an antelope, whatever. All right, That's like enough. everything in South Africa translates to some, some form of game. <laughs> so, so. Anyway, so both of them flew this plane in the military, seriously, um, uh, Theater time, whatever, however way you want to put it, like flo- floating in the war, in the war. So they translated into flying PC-12s, and my my dad kind of went and do it, to do his own thing. He's got a massive engineering company, whatever. He's actually mm. got an MD-500. Okay, flies flies helicopters to to uh, do his power line work, oh, wow. whatever. So 
um, besides all of that, it's funny. Like, if if I don't go fly with my dad, or we've 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 flown together and 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 do our thing, this is the, the he's really good friend, which you were in the military. They they flying together. Okay. And it's funny. Like this guy been flying Global Expresses for many years, like seven three sevens. Like he went from from military to fly all these commer- big commercial sure, jets. Sure. Sure. So one day we pull this plane outside. Same plane, the Warbird pulled it outside, got got ready to go, and he sits in front. He's got fucking like maybe three or four thousand hours in this thing, theater time, flying flying in the military. Like right. he knows his shit. All right. Anyways, he sits in his plane, and it's not fucking difficult. It doesn't have a key, so it's just magnetos on and start <laughs> right. prime it or whatever you need to do. It's got a massive GSO four eighty four hundred four for the enthusiasts. Like okay. For the specs of the engine, whatever it's like four hundred horsepower or whatever it is. It's a massive engine, like Oming engine. Um, geared supercharged. They don't make them anymore, but anyways, they've been in the Queen Airs and all the stuff. Right. Um, so we pull this plane out, getting ready to 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 go fly. Um, so he sits in front of his plane. He's got hours and hours in this thing. He's like, how the fuck do I start this thing? <laughs> yep. It's like, dude, you've been flying this thing in the military for so long, you don't know how to start this thing? Yep, yep. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember. So a fuel pump. I'll do this, prime this, prime this, start this fucking gear engine. It's it's going. Yep. But it's uh, yep. it's super amazing. Man. Oh, dude, it's uh, I had a, a similar experience, super low time flying. I did all my uh, flying time in a, a Piper Archer, and it was a pimped out Piper Archer. I think it was a 2004, 2005 at the time. It was beautiful. It had all the high-end avionics, and it had all the, uh, the switches, including um, the power switches up above your head. What? Yeah. Which- well, This is the Archer, but it's a- yeah, so it was Archer two, Archer three. Oh, fuck if I know, fuck if I know. Uh, but it had all the switches overhead, and I hadn't flown this thing in ages. And I went back to my hometown and went to go on a flying date because I'm going to try and impress this chick. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, so I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to take her flying. I'll go ahead and get a hold of executive, and they'll I'll rent this aircraft because I've been flying off forever. The sheet, off the seat. Though. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, I rent the aircraft, and I go out with my date, and we get in the aircraft, and. I'm looking and I'm looking for the master switch. Where's, where's the, where it's got to be around here somewhere. I found where the key goes because it actually still takes a key, but I can't find the master switch anywhere. And I finally, I'm like, right, um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and let's get out of the aircraft for a second. I think there might be an issue. Right. And it literally took me ages until I finally just in frustration leaned my head back on the seat to see all the switches right above my head going all right, I'm a fucking moron. I cannot believe someone's renting me an airplane. All right, hop on in. Here we go. Let's go flying. <laughs> so, Crazy. Yeah, I'm right there with him. Yeah. I completely get it, which falls back to training. There you go. Yeah, fucking yeah. check, check, checklist. Huh? Yep. Train, 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 and checklist and all that shit. Mm. Now, back to jumpers for those that are sick of us talking about fucking airplanes. What comes next for you? You've been flying wingsuits and doing all the kind of stuff. You're going to go jump off of mountains? Um,. <laughs> yeah i think i'm gonna do that but it's not so exciting i did my tandem rating Ooh. all right fair enough um have you done any base jumping no i haven't all right so but that's kind of a, is yeah, that is that something you're looking forward to yeah it's definitely on the list um i kind of use this time to because there's a lot of people in the circle mm. that are that i like matt darren all sure these, all these all these people if, if i can say the names but um, and there's a wealth of information out there. Yeah. Um, 
So I'm I'm kind of taking it slow. Like two years ago, like when I got into jumping, I was like, yeah, I'm ready for this. Sure. Ready to go. But like having people around you that that is super experienced and the way that they did the, 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 uh, their demeanor about it. Yeah. Um, kind of changed my whole perspective about this sure. whole, whole thing. Like I'm fortunate enough to be sometimes on the plane when you do these demo jumps or whatever and the guys jump with their with a, with a base rigs. Mm. Um, to see them when they have their skydiving rigs on and to see them when they have their base rigs on, it's kind of looking at a different, a different. Oh person. yeah. So that's kind of what made me step back as to this chase for, for jumping off mountains and chasing whatever I wanted to chase. Sure. For sure, it's on the list. Um, I just want to be kind of calculated about it. If I, if I, damn good way to yeah. be. <laughs> yeah. So it's easy to go. And it's like yeah, you do it. Whatever, jump off a bridge and get ready to jump and jump and jump, jump off, jump off towers. Sure. Um, so. To get back to the the conversation, like kind of like what what Nick and oh, not Nick, uh, Matt Nick and, and Matt, yeah. uh, Matt and I had when we went hiking, is like that he was on this mission to go to go jump somewhere, and I'd like like a like any other guy, like we're just having a conversation, of, sure. Like, like how does how does how do you do this? Like who do you choose to go jump with you? How do you choose this line? How do you do all these things? Um, kind of made me think as to why them two always jumping together, mm. as to being very into it, right? Um, uh, who's the who's the other South African jumper that's also I've kind of forgot his name now. Hmm. Julian Bull. Oh yeah. 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 So it's funny we've been we've been when I started the whole skydiving thing, he was still here. Hmm. And uh, he rockstar, amazing dude. Yeah. Amazing. Rockstar. So uh, this is a buddy of mine. We're trying to figure out this this exit out of this Europa, right? It's like right. we do this or whatever. But again. We novices, right? Like maybe he's got four hundred jumps, and I got like maybe forty-seven or whatever. <laughs> magic, magic number. Just add a zero to it, right? Um, so, and he's like, yeah. So he listens to the accent, of course, and he's like, yeah, these guys sound like they're kind of South African, right? It's like this distinct accent that we have. Um, he's like, yeah, you guys. Uh, so the, he calls us Bura, which means farmer. Okay. So he's like, it sounds like your farmers have a problem with exiting with exiting the the porter. Ach, not the porter, the, the sherpa. The sherpa, yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah, we kind of do. He's like, yeah, this is how you kind of do it. This is how to. Anyway, so these are the 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 individuals that's that is around and and, sure. what, and what you see. Like, if you watch the video about jumping off the Burj Khalifa, these are well named. Yes, athletes. Yes, does it, and there's still a debate whether skydiving is a sport or not. But I'm not going to get into that. No, no, that's that's a debate for another day. It's that's if you want to tread want to tread this line or whatever yeah. it is. Um, it's only there's there's a spe- very specific reason why I mentioned this about the whole sport thing. <laughs> maybe they listen to it. I'm going to say they because I'm not going to say male or female. Maybe they listen to it. Maybe they don't. So, um, jumping off mountains and do this thing, it's it's always been a passion. Sure. So going with the guys, kind of doing the whole ground crewing thing. Sure. Uh, and sit there on on the edge when they exit has more meaning to just rushing into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that gives me time to appreciate, like obviously I'll, I enjoy climbing, I enjoy wi- uh, hiking and all this stuff, mountain climbing and all this stuff. So being on the adventure side is super easy to sure. do that. Standing on the edge and jumping over it is a complete different. Whole different story. A whole different thing. Yeah. I don't give a fuck who you are. Yeah, exactly. You can be whoever you want to be or the strongest, biggest fucking balls, whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's this whole 
whole process that I've been going through that evaluates everything that I like. You have life commitments and all that kind of stuff. Sure. Because um, it's super selfish. That's that I have sure. that I have to put out there. That it's a very easy decision to go base jumping and to like it's a process to get into proximity flying or whatever sure. you want to. I can't really talk about proximity flying because I have never base jumped. Right. So it will be wrong to mention anything like that. But still, there's a process. Right. That until you're ready to do that, yeah, of course, I'm 100% ready to do it. But it's a a mental journey that I'm kind of on and surround me with the correct people. Sure. To do the decisions that I have to make. Well, and it's uh, it's that's the well, probably my favorite thing about the skydiving sport is it's very easy to find yourself shoulder to shoulder with people that are in one way or another your hero in the sport. Like I was very lucky in that. Um, I was in close proximity to Paris Valley when it was going off when I was starting to jump. So the Flyboys would come to fly in the Vegas Tunnel. And I'm trying to teach the Flyboys how to fly this mushy, nasty air in this tunnel in Las Vegas. And they're the, some of the greatest flyers on the fucking planet. Um, you know, years later, I find myself friends with Omar Aligon and I find myself friends with, you know, Olaf Zipser. And these were heroes to me. These are the guys that I'm watching their videos going, oh, my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And then all of a sudden I'm chit chatting with them about traffic or this bullshit or that. And, and it uh, um, it's only because the sport is so small and the people that are at the top of their game are so willing to give uh, that you learn so goddamn much. That's that's the whole thing. But I, what I appreciated, we we had the boogie not so long ago, mm. the winter boogie, or bo- something like what, that. Yeah, yeah I can't remember yeah. the name that they put it. And we were doing, was it X R? Yeah, we were doing X R W. It was the last last jump of the days. So we're doing X R W, uh, wobble W, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, right. You guys get it. Um, and then when I ask ask Matt about it, like about back flying, like how do you how do you do the back flying, like. This is really cool. Like I've tried back flying before. I'm pretty okay with it, whatever, in the wingsuit. And you go like, okay, but there's there's certain things because I'm no pro. Mm. And so you ask the professionals like, how do you do that? Because you see what they do and it's like, okay, they have things. But you don't understand like they come or we don't understand that right. they, they come from hours and hours in the tunnel. They oh, yeah. They're super profe- pr- uh, proficient tunnel flyers and, and, and free flyers and all this stuff. Oh, um, yeah. And you're like, yeah, I'm a wingsuit. <laughs> what do I know about tunnel flying? Right. Um, actually, it's important. It's body awareness. That's <laughs> the thing. Um, so you ask the question, and, and the thing that you appreciate the most talking to these guys, like you cannot really ask me about, about back flying because I don't know. Yeah, I was mean, right? like, dude, what are you talking about? You carve around the mountain, head down or whatever you want to call it, yep. in a wingsuit, base jumping. You don't know anything about back flying. Yep. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I don't really want to say anything. No, like, it's, well, that's the thing though, right? I mean, it's uh, like asking a great free flyer how they do this transition and then fly from there to over here. They can't tell you because they just think, go there. And they fucking go there. But that's years of experience. Exactly. That they've just cultivated that knowledge over and over and exactly. over. So there's no way to describe. Yeah, it's like it's the same with you flying, with me fixing an aeroplane. I'm doing it for a better part of 
Yes. More than half my life. Yes. Well, that's the thing. How do you, you know, get the prop blade angle right for this particular thing or that particular thing? Or how do I flare for a greased landing yeah. in a, you know, 15 knot crosswind? Yeah. There's no way to describe that. You yeah. just know it. You it's, do And it. by feel and by experience. Yes. And well, yeah, that's what you have to. And, and I kind of appreciate it. Like somebody that's super honest about like, Matt, how do you do backflying? He goes like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like if you don't know, I'm not. No, there's no way I would know it ever. Right? Yeah. Well, th- but that's the thing too. I remember having a, a conversation with a guy that uh, um, had done a ride along, and this was years ago, uh, in the Twin Otter on the way up to altitude, and he was asking a bunch of questions, and so we're chit chatting, actively talking the entire time, and next thing you know, we're just on jumper on the green lights on, and everybody's getting out. And he started asking me, he's like, so how did you know, like, where to turn to do this, to get right here at this altitude so that you could turn the light on and be at the speed? And I'm like, I didn't even realize we were on jump run until I saw the green light. <laughs> and he started, you so in tuned with it. Yeah. And he started laughing and I'm like, dude, seriously, my ass and my arms were doing the majority of the flying. They know it. I've just been, I, I know the feel of it so much. And I, I kind of know I need to be here and I need to be at that altitude over there. So I'm going to do this here, here and here. But that, that is exactly what you're saying about, about complacency. If it comes to the aviation world, not so much the skydiving thing, well, actually the skydiving thing as well is the complacency. You you, sure. you just know where you need to be at what sure. time. So yeah. you are there. Absolutely. And you Which still, is good and bad. Maybe you listen to Fuck, who's that who's that uh <laughs> I forgot his name now, it would have been perfect if I remember his name. <laughs> Willie Willie Nelson, whatever that fucking dude is, that the old dude that, that does a country singing or whatever. He's uh, an um, Willie Nelson, yeah. Yeah. So it's kinda like listening to his tune or whatever. You just kinda know where you are yeah. and smoking a joint, do whatever. It's just just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Just like you it, just it kind comes of find in, yourself there. Yeah. So, way I'm on jumper. Oh, I can shoot the uh, green light. Yeah, that is definitely where the complacency comes in. Yeah, but the, and then the in the aviation world, and I kind of think I, I would I would like obviously if you jump a lot um, in the skydiving world as well. Yeah, that's like the whole sky. I, I think you jump in skydiving, right? don't you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So. When they have like, whenever you need to do recurrency or whatever you do or whatever those lists are or whatever you need to need to be in place. But in the whole aviation thing, like the recurrency, uh, recurrency training of to get away from the complacency side. Yeah, of it. well, and to hammer in that second nature stuff, but yeah. also make you realize that second nature is not a first line defense. And you it can be a to... big problem. Sure it can, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And when it's bit me and jumps and, and flying as yeah. well, where you go, oh, yeah. And that specific instance that I was telling you about has been something that stuck with me because it dawned on me, I'm so comfortable doing this over thousands and thousands and thousands of jump runs that I just got there and went, oh, okay, yeah, that's not necessarily a good thing. (laughs) And it makes you really pay more attention. Uh, I'm a big fan of being very verbal when I fly, so I call out everything that I'm doing. Yeah, I remember Uh, that. They didn't, they, like, maybe two, three weeks, no, not two, not three weeks, two weeks ago when we went flying off. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very much so. I have my flows, and I have very much, I call out exactly what I'm doing. I'm very animated in that I point to what I'm paying attention to, and I do that even when I'm by myself, specifically because of memories like that where I'm realizing, oh yeah, I've been doing this a very, very long time and it's also extremely important that I still continue to do it right. Yeah. You know, um, so I try and do that as well. Mm. Um, and that's kind of one of those things that I try and pass on to, I've 
I've been lucky in that I've been able to work with a bunch of awesome pilots and train quite a few as far as flying jumpers go. Uh, and it's nice to be able to pass on that stuff because those little mistakes that never really cost me much that I've made, I was able to pass on before they cost me. Yeah, anything. but that's, that's, that's a good thing. Like if you can, whatever mistakes you made, uh, if you do a briefing or you, if you, or if you teach somebody or somebody asking about like, for instance, engine rigging or whatever, oh, yeah. like mistakes that you've made or whatever, you can go like, this is what I did wrong on that day. Yeah. Well, isn't that funny, though, that that's the things that you remember and those are the biggest learning experiences are not when you got it right. It's when you got it wrong. Exactly. When I fucked it up is the what stuck with me more than anything because it's, A, a horrible feeling, B, a terrifying realization that making a mistake in a situation like that can cost you a lot more than you're willing to pay. You know, I mean, and C, more importantly, it's a huge learning experience that, oh, yeah, okay, I managed to squeak by on that one. I don't ever want to do that again. Yeah. You know, so it's huge. It's, it's massive. Huge. Yeah, it's massive. Absolutely. It's a, it's an interesting industry that we're working in. Like, it's aviation, mm. but then, of course, it's skydiving at the same time. <laughs> right. So you, you add, it's kind of like making this butter chicken, whatever. Right. You add this fucking <laughs> sauce of salsa or whatever you want to call with yes, it. Yes. And then just, yeah. Toss in a little spice. Yeah, yeah. So- that is a the thing about, I would say about anywhere in, in the world where we go, whether it, they're going to operate by a, a two or six, whatever. I, like I don't know any any other small jump planes, right? Because I I came from wherever I came you from, turbine and I, snob. Uh, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll I'll own it. I'll, yeah. It's not like I've never built a fucking piston engine, dude. Fair enough. Fair that's enough. That's my that's why I started my aviation career is building pistons for Fair fucking enough. aerobatic airplanes. So yeah. I know all about engine performance if it comes to pistons and all that stuff and how to put them put them together. But yeah, being a snob in fucking piston, yeah. like in, in, in turbines. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'll, I'm right I'm, there with you. Yeah, yeah. Um so it's like you you skip a certain part of sure. of your career or whatever. Um so the thing I wanted to say about Especially here, and I think anywhere else in the world, um, anybody that that works on a jump plane, fix a jump plane, whatever, he has a, he he already owns a certain responsibility. Sure, um, it's because nine times out of ten, those souls that's on the board is people that you know or people that you jump with. I like I don't know so many other fucking mechanics of jumps. Oh, I I know a whole bunch. So yeah, okay. So you can add to the add oh to yeah the, add to the conversation. So there are actually a lot of lot of people that jumps. Oh yeah, and you would know them. Oh yeah, um, and being in a mechanic, engineer, whatever you want to call it, I fix airplanes for a living. Yeah, just to fix just, airplanes for a living, but you also you you're deeply invested uh, in them uh, in a way that the guy that's fixing that United Airlines jet, don't get me wrong, badass, but he's not personally invested in the same way that you are because you're talking about your friends. Yeah. They, people that you they see collect, every day. They're collecting a paycheck and they're on so up. Whatever. Sure. They can they can they can crucify me later. Sure. They can say whatever they wanted to Absolutely. say. Absolutely. And, and I'm they're sure writing, I'll... they're writing union. Sure. And they're collecting a check. They check in at eight in the morning, they leave at four in the afternoon. Sure. Well, and that's the thing and that's the same reason that I've always been really confident with the aircraft that I've flown for skydiving, as far as I've, I think almost every mechanic that's ever worked on any of the planes that I've flown are jumpers. And 
friends of all the people that are getting on the planes they're responsible yeah. for taking care of. So just like me, I'm responsible for taking care of all of my friends that are sitting right behind me. Yeah. That mechanic has the same responsibility as me. That's a big fucking deal. And I have never met anybody that doesn't take it very seriously. Yeah, sure. It's it's a hard I wouldn't say it's a hard way of putting it, but I mean, you you have a job to do. Yeah, man. And you and you need to do the do the best possibility yeah, that you're doing. Well, and that's it. Um, the issue with us as humans, we don't know where our limitations are. <laughs> so we go like fucking YouTube, jumping off mountains. Exactly. And we don't know where that is. Right. And people need to get in touch with that very well, quickly. It's our limitations as humans in regard to that kind of stuff and our limitations in regard to skydiving and the egos that go along with all the things that we do. And it's very difficult. It's a difficult balance. It is. And I mean, what's the old joke about pilots? Who's the pilot in the room? Don't worry, he'll tell you. Mm. You know, same oh, thing yeah, with skydivers. That's like fucking going to a bar or whatever. That was a, the, the stand-up joke that we had. Yeah. If we go like with with Zimix, you had like four pilots, two engineers, and we go out to a bar or whatever. Who's gonna say what they do first? Exactly. <laughs> and like we would we would sit back and we're like, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, we don't want to say because we work in airplanes. Because you're like, yeah, I'm a mechanic. Who's like, what? You work in your fucking airplanes? Right. Oh, you're fucking grease mounting. Right. But you're like, yeah, you know what? We'll just sit back, enjoy the entertainment. So he's like, we'll see this conversation start. All right. And the guy will go like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pilot. He's like, what? Really? <laughs> yeah, and oh, then yeah. obviously it started. But then one thing they don't tell about pilots is like how, how short their hands are. <laughs> so so b- being a mechanic, you kind of go like, okay, but pilots are they're kind of cool. Right, you know, like they, they like the people that we we cannot be or whatever. <laughs> like we lack the fucking education or whatever. <laughs> we don't have the skill, and then you learn the truth. <laughs> but dude, didn't have the word of fucking being a T Rex. Right. You know the T Rex thing is like you have your hands up. Yep. You can't fucking reach your pockets to pay for the beer. All right. Yeah. So we had that thing. So in in, in Zimix we had this um, in Algeria where we worked. We we lived in this amazing camp. Mm. Like we had this bungalows we stayed in, well looked after. Um, one thing that I have to have to say is like everybody was in the same pay scale, so it was kind of okay. Right. <laughs> nice. Nobody was fucking paid out of portion or whatever. Right. So you kind of know, it's like, how long have you been here? Four years. Oh, okay, you, that's your salary, dude. <laughs> um, anyway, so we would sit next to the – so usually what we do is we fucking whoever flew – who flown into into Hasi Masad, it's like in sub-Sahara. It's like fucking – 60 not uh 60 is a bit exaggeration about temperature like 57 in in june july that's the temperature for americans that means it's fucking 120 it, plus yeah it's celsius hot that, so the 57 i'm talking celsius um so it's super hot so we have canadians not so many americans working but but there were there were some but anyway so whoever flew in like you kind of know who showed up because we were always like eight engineers or mechanics. So in Europe, we call them engineers. People don't don't crucify me, so I'll call them mechanics or AMPs or whatever to to <laughs> diversify things. Right. So people that fix airplanes. So um, whoever flies in close to the airport, we had a thing that we called hole in the wall, where we buy all our fucking booze, whatever. So okay. it was a responsibility of the guy that flew fly in. He had to buy the booze for the next five weeks. Oh, because right. because yeah, we, we were not allowed to drink on base. <laughs> So, so of course you did. Yeah, but this is the diverse, the, the not diversity or whatever. But so we would all live on the same base, but 
because you don't work for the oil company or whatever, I won't mention names, but anyway, so you don't work for the oil company, you were not allowed to go to the bar. Right. So it was like, fuck that. We're in the middle of the desert. We are five weeks here or six weeks, whatever the thing is. We're buying booze. Whoever flies in needs to bring, anyways, he needs to bring booze with him. Right. So whatever you bring, it's your thing. Right. But like any hard things like tequila or shots or whatever was was off the board. So it would be whoever flew in with a fucking bottle of 15-year-old scotch or whatever. All right. He's a fucking hero. <laughs> because you were drinking beer that's made in Algeria or whatever. It's really shit. Right. Um, so whoever flies in, he buys his thing. Um, it makes like we are a bunch of fucking alcoholics. But anyway, Kinda. so. Gotta have a hobby. It's up for debate. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Oh, fuck, my wine is almost finished, dude. Anyway, so anyway, so whoever flies in, he buys booze. Um, so it's always like eight engineers or in mechanics or whatever that, that's on site. Um, there's always way more pilots than what there's supposed to be. Sure. Um, it's only because of the operation. It's right. not like there's more than what needs to be, whatever this operation is supposed to be. Um, but yeah, so we have like whoever does the dog shift, which means the guy that, that – Dispatch the aircraft. Mm. So you show up at dog shift like fucking five in the morning, whatever, when first right, and they f- they fly to Algiers or whatever. Um, these are old 1900s, so it's bigger bigger planes. Twin otters flew into the desert. Whatever. Sure, it wasn't really the cream of the crop like it is now. All right, but right. it's they were there. Yeah, many of them. Yeah, so there was only like four 1900s, beach 1900s for those right. who are listening, which was like the. It still take nineteen people. The same as sure. it, same as it's same as yeah. <laughs> it goes a little bit faster. You fly a little bit higher. But anyway, so anyway, so whoever gets in, he buys a booze and he kind of supports it. So the the whole conversation was that I'm trying to get to is sitting around a pool and sunset. Everybody came back. Planes are back. We sign them all back. Every everything is ready to go the next morning because right. this is like fucking a Swiss fucking watch. Like sure. tag here. This is how it goes. Mm. Anyway, so by like three thirty, four in the afternoon, we're back in camp, sitting next to the pool. They had a massive fucking 50-meter pool in the middle of the desert. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> Amazing. Working on your fucking suntan or whatever. And anyway, so we'd have a big cool box. Like all the engineers sit there, have our, have our cool box. So this is kind of going between fucking shorthands and pilots now. But anyway, so you're going to – this is my time. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. So anyway, so – we had this massive cool box, fucking engineers, drinking, mechanics, whatever you want to call us. Um, some fucking people swimming up and down in the pool or whatever. And uh, so the pilots will come over and they, they ask us like, yeah, whatever, you, you can spare a beer? <laughs> it's like, dude, it's like fucking, it's not even a, it's not even a euro for one beer. Right. And you know where to buy it. <laughs> right. So this is where the whole fucking T-Rex thing comes from. It's like... <laughs> Your hands are so fucking short. You earn the same amount of money. <laughs> Buy your own fucking beer. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But anyway, so to to add to this, so one of my buddies, he was a, a, a really good friend of mine, Porter Pilot. He eventually got into flying 1900s. Uh, God bless his soul. Uh, I've, I kind of lost lost mm. touch with him. Sure. Anyway, so he was this fucking healthy energetic French dude and I usually don't you don't get that from French people <laughs> uh, like I drink their wine their wine they're full of shit they talk this fucking funny language or whatever it is so anyways so he was every afternoon fucking swimming and never asked us for a beer though, so he was my hero um really good really good friend of mine Sebastian anyway so he fucking 
swims up and down this big fucking massive Olympic sized pool. But dude, it looks like he'd been through a fucking meat meat shredder. <laughs> really, it's like the, he'd like fucking dive into the meat. He's completely f- cut to pieces. Mm. Anyway, so it better took me like my first first stint with Zemex was was three months in the desert because mm. it, it wasn't it wasn't for real. Like the story that I told told earlier, the the guy that I was working with when I was really young. Yeah, yeah. like he kind of gave me a give me a, a gig in the desert because he was a di- director of maintenance. Mm. Didn't have much going in the UK or whatever, working, fixing fucking 737, 757s or whatever. So he gave me gave me the opportunity to go to the desert. So I became friends with this French dude. Pardon me. But anyway, so yeah, to get back to it, looks like he's been through a meat shredder. <laughs> dude, he was flying a fucking ultralight in Madagascar. <laughs> really? Yeah. He was fucking, him and his buddy. Flew, fucking wind shear over the over the forest. Wind shear ultralight straight into the fucking <laughs> into the into the desert. Oh, into the fucking canopy of the um of the forest of the forest. <laughs> His mate killed instantly. Oh Jesus Christ, dude! He was seven days in the in the forest before somebody found him. So the 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 moral of this fucking story that I'm getting to, besides <laughs> him being my really good mate, right. is he's probably the only French guy that I know that fucking whistles, <laughs> and it's happy about life. Because <laughs> I sat there, I was like, "Fuck, Sebastian, what happened to you, man?" Uh, but this took me like three weeks to build up this courage, the, this right. courage to talk to this guy. Lucky we are friends, fucking around, working on his border or whatever it is. Right, and he's this really animatic, fucking animatic. French dude. It's like, dude, you're really happy about life. <laughs> fucking what happened? A week, a week in Madagascar. Dude, he was in the fucking forest for, <sighs> for seven days before they flew him out from Antonarivo. Jesus his Christ. girlfriend, now his wife, couldn't fucking recognize him. Wow. The only way that he survived was taking, this is fucking talking about pilots and accidents and all this shit. Sure. Plane crashes or whatever. So windshield, bang, fucking in desert picked up by some fucking tribe, put on the, dunk, the donkey cart or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> dragged to Antonarivo, sat next to a river because he couldn't drink water. He broke fucking all he, most of his bones in his body. The thing that made him make, besides everything that was broken, he put fucking dirt, mud on his, on his wounds because he was so badly cut. Jesus Christ. That when they flew him out to fucking uh, reunion and, they, and the doctor was like, because his mates, when they when he showed up, they couldn't fucking recognize him. Right. Like, dude, what, what the f- this is not fucking you. Right. Whatever. And anyways, I don't know why I'm telling the story, but anyway, so it adds to the flavor of this whole thing. <laughs> right. Um, anyway, so he got flown out. The doctor was like, dude, the only reason why you are fucking walking today is because you put all the, all the dirt and shit that, that is around the, the this little fucking stream that you were, where you, you had your fresh water mm. is... Otherwise, you have you would have had gangrene. Jesus Christ! But anyways, this long fucking story about people fucking short hands and drinking all this stuff. <laughs> but anyway, so this guy showed up. Can I have a beer? I was like, fucking take the whole fucking cool box, dude. <laughs> You're my hero. Oh, that's fucking awesome. Ah, oh, all from the pilot's gonna be the one to tell you. <laughs> so this is the story. But you never know. Like you look at somebody, you go like, hmm, should I ask this question or not? Right. And you go like, what happened? 
Well, see, that's, again, transitioning into the sport, that's probably my favorite thing about it is skydivers are very rarely the ones that won't ask. They're like, dude, what's up? <laughs> they yeah, want to know if you take, right like, some, some of the fucking swoop guys, you go like, dude, what happened? Tell me. Oh, they want, absolutely, they want to unload. Absolutely. It's like, yeah. It's a fair trade behind, if you're at a, a drop zone, if you're in a town with a drop zone and you're out at a bar with a bunch of jumpers and pilots, it's going to be a tough, it's going to be a tie to be who's going to want to tell their stories first. But that's, in my opinion, that's what makes it so fucking cool. Everybody's got a story and it's hilarious. It's one of the reasons that I started the podcast in the first place is I want to hear people's stories. This is all about that bonfire story and this rambling off on this or that or the other thing because the shit you find out is fucking incredible. Well, dude, we were going to have this fucking conversation before Corona. Again, that's that's the, my favorite thing about the podcast is the whole bonfire mentality. You have one? Uh, yeah. My, well, this is finished. That's yours. Okay. Kill that. Um, it's the bonfire conversation. It just kind of goes where it goes and it's fucking fun. And it's that skydiver enjoyable part of the whole thing. And you just got to get to just let loose. Oh yeah. But get, getting to the whole thing, like we, we, like you and I, we, we were kind of talking about this whole fucking wingsuit thing for fixing airplanes, whatever. Mm. But it was before the Corona thing. Mm. Long before this, fucking three months later, dude. Yeah, I know. It's really weird now. Fuck, it's eight o'clock already. But I know. We've been at this. This is this. We're two hours into the podcast already. Amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So the whole fucking Corona thing happened. <sighs> Fuck me, man. Fuck me sideways. This this is this whole goddamn everything. It's bizarre. Like I've been doing podcasts now for th- almost three months uh, in quarantine. We're out of quarantine now. Oh, you uh, did you did podcasts in quarantine? Oh yeah, yeah. Who are you talking to? Skype, Nobody? Skype. Oh so really? Everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's great because skydivers are fucking tough to nail down, especially the ones you really want to talk to. So when you know you're locked, they're locked in the home. They won't dodge your phone calls. It's <laughs> one way of yeah. doing it. Like, look, motherfucker, I know where you're at. Legally, I mean, you are required to be home. So don't tell me you're out. <laughs> so I got to do some really cool podcasts during the during the quarantine. Uh, but it's been it's been strange times, and it's it's neat seeing things getting rolling again, and seeing people getting excited and and obviously fired up about jumping again. Um, and it's uh, I'm hopeful of where it's going to go. Hopefully, nobody ends up worldwide. You know, I mean, now I've got friends worldwide jumping. Um, hopefully, nobody ends up back in a lockdown. Everybody gets to jump again. Uh, I mean, skydivers are are hand to mouth. Mostly, yeah. Uh, jump pilots are hand to mouth mostly. Um, so watching literally thousands of friends and acquaintances just fucked has not been fun. So it's so cool to see people starting to jump again. Yeah, it's 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 exciting. Like when when we started operating again, it was obviously we have mixed emotions about it. Sure, like. How do we? How are we gonna do this? Like, <laughs> yeah. how do you do social distance? Like, yeah, yeah, it's tough, but it's so. Um, 
it's encouraging to see the excitement level still there. It's encouraging to see that the general public is still excited about it. I know that, uh, you know, the States are jumping, uh, in quite a few places and the tandems are, Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's happening again. So I'm, I'm fired up. Like I've got friends that are, are super slow in Australia right now that are actually going back to the States because it's busier there right now. And so it's, it's nice. It's things are getting rolling again and, and knock wood, you know, hopefully it continues that way. It's I hope. A, it's a, yeah, for sure. It's a unique, it's a unique sport. Mm. Um, unique sport and amazing, unique experience. And doubt. the people that, that is involved in it is, um, yeah, it brings a really, really exciting breathe of people that, yeah. that does it. Like well, you know, you, it's, it's the only the only uh, um, culture that I know of that is filled with almost all alphas that somehow manage to not kill each other and get along and become friends and and you have to be kind of you have to have some alpha in you to want to jump out of an airplane. I mean that's some serious commitment. Yeah, I can remember the first time when I like rolling back this whole conversation as to going to the desert and jumping. Mm. Like I wasn't going to jump the first time. <laughs> like after after doing my first jump ground school or whatever right i was like fuck this <laughs> i'm not gonna jump it's something isn't it yeah yeah that's like yeah and i was sitting on a plane i was like really not really shitting myself i was like why am i doing this close yeah and um like so many people that you talk that you that you talk to afterwards you know like yeah i'm jump or whatever Some girl that you're meeting or whatever sure. it is. and i like they are really amazed by whatever you're doing you have this fucking insane photo on whatsapp or instagram or whatever it is and like everybody asks questions about it but then you go like yeah i can't really explain to you how it feels and yeah. then they're like, like what are you talking about well and especially when you get deeper into the sport and that picture to them that is so incredible and badass you realize was just the perfect moment to take a picture in an otherwise unremarkable and or complete clusterfuck of a jump which is makes it even that much better because you're like that's an amazing picture taken at just the right time. Or it's an average skydiving picture that to, I mean, I hate to use the term wuffo because I never did like it, but a wuffo um, thinks is just this incredible thing because they don't know what our sport is like. And you're like, yeah, no, that's kind of just average. Yeah, but how are you going to explain it to them? You can't. It's it's unexplainable, which is one of the reasons that I think every able-bodied man, woman, whatever, needs to go out and make a jump at least once. Experience that. It's the ultimate a way of uh, living in the moment, which most people never get to experience, especially not nowadays when their moment means they've got their phone in one hand, their iPads on their lap, their fucking computers on the desk in front of them. You know, I mean, it's... Yeah, but today's life, <coughs> fucking it's... Yeah, sure, you're going to go like yeah, it's ex- extreme or whatever it is, but right. it's like what we said earlier about this fucking chick that shows up to the fucking beach in one hour, two hours of taking <laughs> photos of fucking jewelry and fucking... And and frames or whatever sure. whatever it is and a fucking palette and 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 a brush. Yes. Yeah. Well. Oh no. It compute it computes to the compute. Oh, can be whatever the fucking English word is. But anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Damn foreigners. Damn fucking wine. <laughs> yeah, that too. You can't say anything about foreigner. You also have fucking foreigner. True, true. This is why I require alcohol with almost every one of my podcasts. And unfortunately, when I had to do all the quarantine ones and they were all via Skype, I could not guarantee that people were drinking, which is unfortunate. 
But when it's in person, I've never had anybody in my studio without a drink in their hands. Dude, when I know this was happening, I like I went straight home from the hangar. <laughs> we were working, getting ready for the weekend. I wouldn't mention too much, but getting ready for the weekend tomorrow will be the release or whatever it sure. is. Like I went home and fucking poured a double gin. <laughs> double gin, fucking dry lemon. That's what it is. You are not the first person to pre-prepare for Completely. this podcast. But that's what I want. Completely. Like, dude, the fucking bottle that I showed up with had the the, the added bit fucking vodka. And, and yeah, so I was well prepared for Perfect. This. No, no, no. That's what I want. I Again, I want that bonfire conversation. And you're never going to have a bonfire conversation at a drop zone where there's not copious amounts of something going on. Yeah. Yeah. No. No, this is amazing. Like, I, like I really enjoy it. It's. Awesome. Uh, it. I must admit I was super fucking nervous about this whole thing. It's like, like I'm an introvert. You know, it's funny. It's so funny because, again, a lot of people like you that are introverted in a lot of ways finally loosen up in the podcast. But I never, I never personally wondered why people would get nervous going into something like this. But I'm also a total sociopath. <laughs> so, oh, yeah? oh, dude, clearly. Half of my articles that I write are about the dumb shit that I've done. Granted, I'm a sociopath that loves to make fun of me. <laughs> Yeah, but that's you super comfortable with yourself. That's yeah, the whole. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Like when we walked into this, I'm like, yeah, okay, we got this. Whatever conversation we had in the in the in the lounge or whatever it is, yes. that's that's for another day. My green room. <laughs> oh, that's a preparation. It's my green room. Oh yeah, yeah. let's fucking get all fucking <laughs> hype, hyped up. Get a little loose. Get a little get loose. A little loose. It's get... it's funny, you know. I I've had people that are are like literally at the top of their game and some of the best skydivers in the world that are either. Um, shy to mention the amazing things that they've done or just kind of uncomfortable spot, you know, shining the spotlight on themselves, which I think is an endearing quality. It says a lot about a person when they aren't as comfortable talking about themselves. Uh, like if I asked you to come in with a group of people to talk about a subject, you probably wouldn't think twice about it. But when it's a podcast where I've asked you to come talk about you, it becomes a very personal and different thing. And that's kind of what makes it so fucking cool because I'll watch whether it's, you know, the alcohol lubrication or just the, the sport itself that kind of juices people up and gets them to forget that they're talking into a fucking microphone. No, the, 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 I would say what makes it so much comfortable sitting here and talking to you besides fucking all the wine and all the shit that, that – that, I wouldn't say shit, oh, shit. just wine. Yeah, shit. Um, that that's that added to this is we had many of these conversations in Hangar before you started operating. Sure. So we, whether we were talking about fucking Archie, Archie or whatever the fucking right. guy is on Netflix. All right, yeah, yeah. So we had many of these conversations before. Sure. And so yeah, it, it makes it, it it makes it a lot easier. It makes sit, it a little yeah. easier. Well, the also the benefit too is we've got a common love in skydiving. Yeah, for sure. That's I think that's the the common thing. Like yeah. obviously, you're a pilot. I'm an engineer, mechanic, for the people in America. <laughs> a and B, whatever. <laughs> Same thing. We fix airplanes. Um, Despite whatever the guy told you, he can tell you that he's a fucking NASA specialist or whatever. He's, he fixes planes. He's still fixing fucking engines. Yeah. Um, so it's about being comfortable in your own skin. Sure. And, well, that, that and is, having that common ground. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Like this fucking skydiving thing, it's like as much as I'm trying to like balance it, so it's like I'm jumping, I'm not jumping. Sure. I'm jumping, I'm not jumping. Um, it brings a unique bunch of people together yes which so is, you're gonna have you're gonna have your call it your physicist 
Yeah. For the lack of a better word. Don't ask me to spell it. I won't be able to spell it. Um, you will have your doctor. You yeah. will have your dentist. Yeah. You will have your airline pilot. You will have your alpinist or whatever it is. And that's what, what brings this common oh, yeah. ground together. But what I do want to say is for people that hasn't jumped, mm. whoever listens to this, um, so don't don't crucify <laughs> the person that you meet that is a jumper. Because mm. you will never be able as a jumper explain the experience that you've been through. No. Even if you've been flocked out of the plane with a fucking a tandem, it's <laughs> like, yeah, 30, oh, 60 seconds of, of fun or whatever it is. But you made that choice. You made, you still made the choice. That's what counts. Yeah, it does make the, it, damn it, right. It really makes, it makes a difference. It makes it counts. It does make the that, thing. That was one of the things that I told, uh, cause I've got, I don't know, eight and a half thousand tandems that I've taken people and I would have people, um, that would say, oh, you know, I, I did a tandem, I'm not a skydiver. And I would always correct them and go, no, you're just a very low experienced skydiver. But at one point, even if you only did one jump, you had to decide to jump out of that aircraft. You had to decide to go make a skydive. And as far as I'm concerned, as soon as you made that decision, as soon as you allowed yourself to step out or be taken out of that aircraft, you're a skydiver in my eyes. What was the... and I hate to say it, but that really does go back to that horrible fucking movie that I still love, Drop Zone. That the Why one is it guy so is, horrible. The, it's a horrible. Yeah, movie. but fuck it, dude. It's about some fucking somebody that robs something that skydiving. It is. What are it you talking about? Fucking no, being a. a yeah, yeah. So what? It's a bad fucking movie. It was a no, I love it though. It's a shit movie that I love. Point Break, one of my favorite movies of all time, is an okay movie. I mean, uh, I haven't watched any any of the fucking Point Break movies. Oh well, the original is it's it's, a movie it's a, that it, that's about surfing and all that. Yeah, stuff, that's yeah. Patrick Swayze. That's the actual movie that got me into skydiving. But Drop Zone, the movie with Wesley Snipes. Um, oh, dude, Wesley Snipes my hero. Yeah, horrible movie. What the fuck is it? He's <laughs> an amazing dude, man. Thor- thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> horrible movie. Thoroughly enjoyable. But there, the character in it, I believe the name of the character was Swoop, and Swoop would not speak to anyone that had not made a jump. Oh, no, him. I was completely in love, in love with a fucking Italian chick that wasn't. Well, who wasn't? But what's her name again? Tethera the Honey or what, some know. shit like that? Fuck if I know. I have no idea. Oh, fuck, I don't have my phone yet to Google it. Yeah, phones aren't allowed in the studio. Oh, really? No, but so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, just like that tacky character swoop in that shitty movie that I love. Uh, if you've made the decision to jump out of an airplane, as far as I'm concerned, you're a skydiver. Oh, but that was a fourth of July, fourth of July jump, right? Is it? Is it? Is it actually a thing? No. So that was just <laughs> fucking created by Hollywood. The whole fucking movie, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought it was like fucking no. people were skydiving into fucking DC. No, well, the DC's the, the entire airspace is locked down. Oh, really? Yeah, no. No. And robbing banks at the same time. Yeah, no. With that uh, said, I thought that's how we fucking roll in the east. No but. man. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep up with your education. <laughs> yeah, fucking. There's a big gap, apparently. That's all right. That's all right. You're new to jumping. You'll learn. You'll pick these things up. In the meantime, cheers. Cheers, man. Man, this was awesome. Yeah. Seriously, I want to pick the brain of a mechanic more. Yeah, um, sure. Whenever. And and continue to write shit up that I probably shouldn't write up. Um, Jan, thank you so much for taking the time to bring me wine and get drunk in my little studio. Oh, was not my wine? Yeah, that was your. That's your wine. Oh fuck! I have another bottle of this. Yeah, we pa- we. But that's the second we, two bottles. We've gone through two bottles okay. in this. Yeah, so amazing. Cheers. Straight. All right.
Appreciate it. Blue Skies. Great. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, to all the all the skydivers out there and fucking everybody that fixes a plane and flies it. Uh, Blue Skies, like Dean says. Blue Skies. And uh, yeah, you were awesome, man. All right. Cheers, motherfuckers. Cheers, motherfucker. Yeah. And a wine-filled and thoroughly entertaining lunatic fringe into the void is in the can, as always brought to you by the greatest magazine in the known universe. That's right, Blue Skies Magazine. Head to blueskiesmag.com to subscribe to the magazine to get all the cool swag, all that stuff. As for me, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net to get a copy of either of the books that I've written, The Fucking Pilot Book or The Accidental Stripper, both available on digital or print format, and The Accidental Strippers almost done audiobook-wise. Again, thank you so much for joining. We'll see you next time.